This is episode 99 of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. We are but one single episode, one week away from cake. I mean, episode 100. Yeah, I was just thinking cake. I no, need, I, but, but I needed to take a second. We just needed to absorb it and think about it. Now the true. planning begins. The planning begins for cake. Should we just just eat cake for an hour? <laughs> Maybe no that... actual talking. It's just it's like hi Carlos, hi Dave, and we eat cake. I'm not saying yes. I'm not saying no. But it might be in play. So that'll be next episode. But for this episode, we'll have a little fun. We got a couple of things we're going to talk about. We'll let we'll let you know uh, you know recent uh, Montreal Canadiens fan Dave speak on a few of those matters and some other items on this episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. All right, so I'm Carlos. That's Dave. What's going on, Dave? Uh, I had a list of things that I was going to tell you, but then you talked about cake, and then now I can't get anything else off my mind. It's it's understandable. It is it is a legitimate reaction to cake. You know, um, but truthfully, uh, kind of the same old, same old in terms of the week and everything like that. Although I did read uh, Jim Ross's book this week, Under the Black Hat. Okay. Which is basically just it's really interesting because it's basically stories about him ripping on Vince McMahon and yeah. getting angry at Vince McMahon mm-hmm. and then later talking about how much he loves Vince McMahon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, a complicated relationship. Well, I when we talk a little bit more on the specific wrestling piece, I'll touch on that a little bit more because, like I said, I've mentioned before, I actually really love talking professional wrestling as a, as a business, as a genre, as a genre of entertainment because sure. it is fascinating. There's a you have to be in you know part of my français. You have to be fucked up to be involved in this business, like truly, some way, shape, or form. In some way, there has to be something fundamentally wrong with you, which which is the only reason I'm shocked that I haven't gotten involved in the wrestling business directly. Like, clearly, I need to run some of this shit because it's, it's true, like, God actually. Damn. God Next damn, son. You know, <laughs> Carlos Wrestling Startup. You, you, now, forget that. You'll see me. I'll be debuting at AEW. It's like, what are you doing? I am the new authority figure. But isn't Tony? Tony, you've been supplanted. Get out. But you can own the company. It's not it. my job. It's I like, believe it. It's my place now. Don't, don't worry about it. I'll handle this. Get out. Yeah. But anyway, so, yeah, the, like, that business is odd. Let's put it that way. For uh, sure. Yeah, so otherwise, uh, same old, same old? Yeah. Usual thing? I, okay. I, can't, I can't really add uh, anything really much, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have so much fun with little tidbits of this episode. I already have it in the back of my mind, little things. Uh, we'll get there. We'll get This there. is good. This is good. Yes. But the, the number one thing is um, I wanted to make sure I covered is that, so this week for the most part, pretty chill, pretty calm. We're definitely starting to feel the humidity a little bit. This weekend is starting to warm up. We're definitely feeling it. Now, do, um, you have the, do you have the window unit in yet, the AC? No, 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 no. That That's the plan probably, I'll be honest, it's probably for the end of the summer, early fall. That's more likely it's going to be fall. Um, okay. It's not going to happen yet. I do have the, I think you were thinking the fan. I know, no, I, do, I know about the fan. I got yeah, the fan. Yeah. The fan, the fan is good. The fan Does it make good. a huge difference? Uh, it helps a lot. It circulates the air. That's really the biggest, the biggest thing. You just don't want air to be stale and to stay still. That's sure. the biggest thing. Of course, Absolutely. it's still going to be warm, but whatever. But that's what you've got. Like this thing right here. Let me get my angles right. There we go. So this guy right here is off right now. But if I turned it on, it would put, it would pump cold air in my direction. But it would also be loud as hell. Yeah. So Not quite got, good for the podcast. Yeah, you got to pick and choose your battles. So right now, the ceiling fan is 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 doing work right now as I speak. Yep. So that, that's fine. And it, while I'm doing the podcast, it's not a big deal. If it gets super, super hot, then I can always precondition the room ahead of time. It's There's things I can do. It's fine. Um, but probably before the end of the year, I'll get that thing installed. I'll figure it out. There's some work still to be done before we get there. Uh, otherwise, work-wise, the week has been pretty good. We're starting to warm some things up. Uh, the virtual expo is coming up in a couple of weeks now. We're a couple mm-hmm. weeks out from that. I'll talk about more about that in episode cake, assuming we don't just eat cake. 
Um, so we'll see. You know, if, if we if there's any words exchanged, there might be a couple of words on that. I'm thinking about it now, and I really I really like the title episode cake. I think that, that needs, but, but that's to gonna be the title. That I, needs I, to stay. Spo- spoiler, that's the title. <laughs> We're just calling it episode cake. That's it. So so just so y'all know, just just ahead of time. Um, but the the bottom line is so we'll have more to say when we get when we get to that portion of it. Um, card wise, it's been a good week. Uh, I will say uh, for the collection as well. And I've started. I went down a little. So usually I go down a YouTube rabbit hole, but this time mm-hmm. I went down an eBay rabbit hole. I saw something interesting that I was searching for something else. But sometimes you'll get like. Um, You'll get similar items or items from the same seller is usually the way where this stuff comes up. Um, and usually I ignore it, whatever. But then I saw something that will play very nicely. And I'll, I'll there's a couple here that I that I purchased and I'll show you two for two different reasons that'll be entertaining. But this one actually plays very nicely when we get to the segment on the 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 wrestling. But uh, I'll, I'll show you why. And then I will explain more when we get to the segment proper. But for now. Let me show you the image and I'll quickly explain what it is. And then, like I said, we'll come back to this concept later. I have purchased this lot that is on the screen. Ooh. Now, can you make out, do you know what this is? And I can explain what exactly what it is, but I'll just conceptually. Well, it's, it's two autograph cards. Correct. So that I can see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it says, oh, you got ultimate signatures, uh, one of 25, and then a Penelope Ford, Ring Queens, Penelope Ford, just on her own. So you have two Penelope Ford signatures, mm-hmm. and then uh, it's, it looks like Brit. The top one is Brit Baker. So I was gonna say, is that who will, co- is who that will come up again, Carlos? Who will come up again, Doctor Brit Baker, DMD? Correct. She will come up again. But I, I thought it would be very appropriate. These are two That's ladies nice. who are these are two ladies who are in AEW. Now, quickly, just to explain what it is, this is twenty. Our friends at Leaf Trading Cards who make all kinds of crazy shit that people don't know about. But this is twenty twenty Leaf Wrestling, which I didn't know was a thing. They made a wrestling set. Cool. So is it, is it reasonably priced? Um, I would say the original probably wasn't, but the the cards themselves, like these cards, I think I think I paid maybe less than forty dollars for both these cards. Which, given that given that one of them again will come up again later, uh, I think is actually quite reasonable. I actually I actually have no issue with with making this purchase, but. They've got, they've got, they've got the, you know, the ring queens, which is a couple of ladies there, uh, some names that I do know, and I can share a little bit of the checklist later. They've got the dual signatures, which isn't just these two ladies. There's a couple of different combinations. I will show you one of the combinations, and they also have some legends. So I'm going to show you one of the legends, and I'm going to show you one of the dual combinations, and I think you'll enjoy it. So first, let me stop sharing real quick. All right. So that was one of the lots. Like I said, I went down a rabbit hole. As soon as I saw that, I was, number one, I didn't know there was a thing. I didn't realize there was a thing. And I was like, What? I'm in. Let's do that. So like that sounds good. Now this one I want to share with you. So this is one of the legends. So right. I I, de- I de- as soon as I saw that I was like I must have it. So you you have purchased this card. I, I everything I'm going to show you I have purchased. Okay. Yes. Nice. Yes, Dave. Who is it, Dave? Sid Vicious. Yes, the master. Psycho Sid. The master and ruler of the world, Dave. I was like, oh my god, the entertainment value. The glorious entertainment value. I was very amused. Very I love amused. it, man. Yep. So and how I'll... many how many total Leaf Wrestling cards did you buy? Uh, probably about four or five. Four right. or five. And, all uh, autographs? All autographs. Like, I, I, when it's autographs, Leaf makes nice-looking cards. Yes, so, I would agree with that. Based, so, on, based on what I'm looking at yeah, right now. Yeah, the aesthetic. The, the, and and uh, apparently what they did is they, they didn't use any photos. They, they had sketches made for all the wrestlers. If you notice, those are all sketches. So Leaf commissioned sketches, and that's what they use for the cards. 
and then the wrestlers signed stickers and they applied them according to the different themes that they came up with and whatever. And there is Hulk Hogan ones in there for people who are so inclined. So they do have, like I said, they even got some of the bigger names. And there is a Brett the Hitman hard one if someone, again, is, again, so inclined. But uh, so I was like, okay, that's cool. Okay, I, I don't like need that. that card. I have that autograph. Yeah. But I was like, nonetheless, I thought that was cool. So let me see if I can pull this one up here for us. So this is a different one that I that I also won. And the combination I thought was interesting. And I, and I, I was appreciative of the combination. I thought, oh, this is pretty cool. Check it out. Nice. What you, do we got, Dave? Carlos, now have a Million Dollar Man autograph. Correct. Along with Jimmy Hart. Yeah, which That's is a solid, a solid com- That is a solid combination. Solid combination. If you notice, it is ultimate signatures like the Britt Baker Penelope Ford double, and it is also purple. So purple is its own category, its own uh, level. But uh, yeah, these this one's out of 35. I think the other one was out of 25. So they got different ones that are at least out of 45. But they got all kinds of interesting combinations. Honky Tonk Man is in the check. Like, if you know your 80s wrestling, there's a bunch of very interesting combinations in there and some interesting wrestlers that got into that checklist. That's pretty I saw, cool. I saw Hockey Tonk Man. And then there's one that I have my eye on. There might be, allegedly, a Million Dollar Man Tito Santana duel. And I was like, Tito Santana? I am amused. For the right price, perhaps. Perhaps. So, yeah, I ended up down this rabbit hole I wasn't expecting to see. It's like, I'm for this. I yeah, approve of what's cool, going man. on here. That's cool. I have a few actually looking at a few of them right now, and there's some there's some nice nice ones here. Yeah, there's some good combinations, some decent ones, and some of these. There's a few folks on here, by the way. This isn't hashtag invest advice, but there's a few folks on here that if because AEW is coming out with its own set from Upper Deck, okay. that will that will be a licensed set from Upper Deck that will be AEW, which will include some of the people that I mentioned previously. And if they come into pass and all of a sudden people realize, and then they start going a back search and realize, wait a minute, there was this leaf set in 2020 that had a bunch of these folks autograph stuff. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, these are pretty cheap. And then they start buying them up because some of those are 35. They're limited. They're actually pretty yeah. limited in terms of the number out there. So I was like, uh, let me buy this now while these are actually damn cheap. So so really- I'm looking at a Sid Vicious one right now that's under 50 bucks. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like, not so bad. Not so yeah, bad. Yeah, I feel, I feel that the value of these could go insane very quickly. Well, I can tell you, the Sid Vicious, I got for tw- less than $25 Canadian. Shipped. Yeah. So I did all right. Shipped, eh? Mm. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, I did okay. I did all right. So we'll talk about more offline, but I like this set. I like some of the I like some of these cards. They look nice. I like them. I approve. Agreed. Agreed. But hey, so yeah. So I ended up down that rabbit hole. I thought I thought I thought you'd appreciate that. I was like, I, I, I do appreciate that. Yeah, I was like, okay, that's pretty sweet. And the autographs, I I approve of this. I approve of this, for reasons. But anyway, all right. So let's move on to our first topic. We must mock the local team. Let us commence the mocking of the local team. <laughs> <laughs> So the best part of this – so first of all, I actually, I need to clarify something, Carlos, for our listeners, all right? And and what I need to say is – so P.K. Subban was on the Habs. I was, a, I was a Habs fan before P.K. Subban. Then I became largely a P.K. Subban fan. I was very upset when he got traded in Nashville. And in response to that, I sort of cheered for him on Nashville while well, he was on Nashville. And then as soon as he left and was traded to New Jersey, I'm like, I don't like New Jersey. I'm not going to cheer for New Jersey. That's when that whole Nashville fling ended, right? So I was like, all right, I'm going to still refer to myself as a Habs fan. But I wasn't really – I was still angry. Then I went to Quebec City, Montreal, ate some poutine, and was back on the train. 
and I've been there ever since. So I need to, I need to put that out there. All right? And there is and there is a legendary clip of 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 me mocking this incredibly that involves that devolves into cackling because yes. it's like yes, it's like all it took was poutine. This, yes, this is it. That's all it took. And you know what is also interesting? I don't actually like poutine. <laughs> like it's not a thing. I don't really enjoy it that much. But we went there because they had vegan one. Like I had a regular one, but they also had vegan ones that my wife could eat. So that's it's even worse like. than I thought originally. <laughs> I don't uh, like gravy on my fries. I just, I like the, I like the fries. I like the cheese curds. I just don't like the gravy. Look, I I like cheese. I don't particularly care for gravy, and I like fries. Sometimes I don't need these things combined. Yeah, that's what sometimes I'm saying. I can appreciate individual components of some of these things, and it's like I don't need all of this. To, yes, this is not necessary to yes. me. But, but anyways, but so. here's the thing. So the fact that a they won the series which they like let's put it this way on paper montreal had no business winning this series yes and when they won game one it was like okay we got kind of hope and then they lost three in a row and you're like all right i get it this is where it's going right and then in both game five and game six they were up two goals the leafs tied it and the habs won in overtime basically crushing the will to live of maple leafs fans and maple leafs and therefore in game seven won it quite easily hmm and now we're two up against Winnipeg. It's a great time to be a Habs fan because none of this is expected. So everything we get from here is just gravy. Yes, also, the pun is kind of intended there. Also, I should point out a, co- a quick factoid. Uh, the current streak they're on is the first four-plus game winning streak that the Montreal Canadiens have had in over two years. Yes. There's, which there's, caused, lo- there's lots which of caused weird Steve, things going on Which here. caused Steve Dangle's head to explode. Yeah, there's, there's some weird stuff going on. Mm-hmm. However... This is what we need to know most about this, all right? Of anything that we've talked about, about hockey, ever, I'm about to tell the listening audience, thanks to you and somebody else with the same name as me, pointed out, this is the most important thing we're going to say ever about hockey. Are you ready for it, Carlos? Because you know what's coming. Oh, I do. The Leafs have not won a playoff series since 2004, mm-hmm. which is a lifetime for a lot of people, right? It, you know, I, I'm, I have students that I teach who have never seen the Leafs win a playoff series. Hashtag world. Yes. Please consider. But the most important part here is the Leafs have not won a playoff series in HD. And you know I'm very passionate. As soon as I saw that, that's why I had to bring it to your attention. Do you know how passionate I am about things that happened that didn't happen in HD? I and do. things that did happen in HD and I was screwed. Facts. But, yeah. What? And then, you know, mm-hmm. Facebook and all these things. Twitter wasn't invented. All these things that have happened that are pretty big in the world since the Leafs have actually won a playoff series. Correct. And I asked I asked my class this week. I said to them, why is anybody a Leafs fan? Why does anybody root for this team? Because they're not even, you know, you don't have that lovable loser vibe that a team like really the New Orleans Saints have had for most of their career or the Chicago Cubs have had for pretty much their existence until they won the World Series a couple years ago. Yeah, and the Saints are going to keep having it until they finally win the championship. It still hasn't happened. It's crazy. You know, and it, you're thinking, wait a minute, wh- why Why are you a fan of this team? Because somebody else is a fan of this team? It's like, there are a lot of teams that aren't going to give you heartbreak every year that are that ha- also have no chance of winning, right? Mm-hmm. Cheer for the Arizona Coyotes. You know they're going to suck. Mostly yes. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, and then if they don't, it's a, it's a great blessing and you're kind of excited. And if they actually make a playoff series, God forbid they actually win a playoff series, it's the best thing ever. Right? You want to feel good about hockey? Stop cheering for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't care who you are. 
if you want to feel good about hockey, you want to feel good about your life, stop cheering for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I like the dark direction that took Dave. I'm very proud of you. Like, I, I feel that my corrupting influence has, has correctly well, taken it, hold. What horrible thing can of... I say that will hurt and twist the knife just a little bit more? There's a great psychology on sports and life to be done about Toronto Maple Leafs fans because mm-hmm. I don't get it, right? Even even Montreal Canadiens fans, yes, we can be annoying because, you know, we'll bring out that, well, we've won more Stanley Cups than anyone else, even though they haven't won since won since 93. You still have that. Okay, you still got that feather in your cap, whatever. Right? But Maple, uh, Toronto, uh, sorry, <clears throat> Montreal Canadiens fans are realistic, right? At the beginning of the we're like, yeah, the Leafs are going to win. I didn't, I didn't hear a single Canadians fan who's like, yeah, we've got this, right? There were maybe some who were like, well, there's a chance because the Leafs like to choke. Fair enough. But nobody's like, we've got this hands down, no problem. Nobody said that, right? Oh, because, 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 because during realistic. the series, but also, but also during the series, despite the, despite the choking thing, during the series, like every other series that goes seven games, there's a little bit of luck involved. For because sure. in one of the overtimes, in one of the overtimes, um, the Canadians were outshot like 13 to two. Yes. And one of the two shots went in. <laughs> so it's like mathematically, technically speaking, Toronto outplayed Montreal in that overtime. Yeah. Like they and, actually and, played better. And the Toronto school, if you look at the stats, mm-hmm. the stat line for Toronto's goalie, it's fantastic. Yeah. Better. It's actually better than carry prices. Yeah. And which they, is, which and is normally, won. normally that's what gets you over the top. It's like, if you have good goaltending, usually you'll win. That's usually how that works. So it's very unusual. Now uh, I wanted to I wanted to let you have your moment, you know, to to, you know, to to do a very good, a very good Carlos impression. I was appreciating it. I was I was enjoying I'm it. Glad, I'm glad, man. I'm glad. I, I was I was very proud there. Like single tier, Dave. Single tier. Thank you. Like, that was some fine work by you. Um, but but I must help. I must pile on because I am OG Carlos. I am the original. Of course, of course. Yeah. Even Carlos Senior is not as OG as I am. Local team without both of us mocking them. He's like team. even even Carlos Senior is not as OG as I am, and I tell him this regularly. He's like, you are a facsimile, Carlos. But I was like, no no no, OG. OG. Kind of true. It's kind of true. But here's the thing. Uh, my favorite part about this. So let me tell you the story. Do, do you know how I watch Game Seven? No, I have no idea. So I watched a little bit, a couple of the games leading into it because like I'm. I'm paying attention, but I'm not paying super close attention. I, I'm just observing casually. Again, casual. My team got eliminated. The defending Stanley Cup runner-ups didn't even make the playoffs. So, <laughs> you know, I, I got to work with what I got. I, I can't be that interested. And I, I had very little hope for this season, and it played out kind of the way I expected it. But that's fine. So I say, oh, right, let me watch a couple of the games here and there. I watch Edmonton lay an egg, which I kind of expected, to be honest with you. But, okay, fine, whatever. Um, this whole Canadian division thing allowed certain teams to feel better about them, to feel themselves probably more than they deserved. So looking at it on paper, though, firepower-wise, Toronto had plenty of firepower, like on paper, plenty of firepower. They, they should have been, been just fine in that regard, and it didn't show up in overtimes. That's when you need your firepower to take over. It's like, hey, you got all these, you got a 41-goal score in 56 games. That's real good. <laughs> like, where are you? You're the goal scoring guy. That's kind of the thing that you do. That's the thing that you are here for. I just need one from you um, at the right time. But anyway, so the end result was get to game seven. And I'm looking at him like, hmm, they are the Leafs. Could they? Could they? And I'm like, yeah, they, they probably could. So our good friends at Sportsnet have a YouTube channel. And one of the local television, uh, television and YouTube personalities in the hockey realm is Steve Dangle. Now, what he's been doing is he's been doing live watching 
all the Leafs games are in the playoffs. And they were going to keep this going as many rounds as the Leafs went. Well, as a result, they ended up going to Game 7. So they were going to live stream it. So they did live stream it. They live streamed the Game 7 on the Sportsnet YouTube channel. But here's the thing about the live stream on the Sportsnet YouTube channel. They're the rights holder. So you can watch the watch-along while watching the game. Because they'll put the footage on the screen because they can. Nice. So it is an actual watch-along. You don't need to be having a TV and then having a watch. Because That's pretty sweet. There were some Montreal Canadiens YouTube channels that did watch-alongs. By the way... Strong numbers. I was very impressed, but they didn't have the they didn't have the ability to show. They couldn't show the game on the screen. And they couldn't play the audio. Otherwise, right. they get pegged for copyright. Yeah. Well, Sportsnet doesn't have that problem. They own it. They own the for rights. Sure. They can yep. do whatever they want. It's their coverage. Uh, so you've got Steve Dangle in the corner, talking and commenting. You've got the chat going. You know he's reacting to chat, talking about the game as it's happening and whatever. So I'm watching Game Seven on the watch along. Towards the tail end, as it looks like the Leafs are about to get eliminated and the time is winding down testament to how strong this can be 60,000 viewers were tuned into the Sportsnet YouTube channel to watch a watch along that's impressive I was explaining this to somebody I said like guys you have to understand a lot of these things are niche but you know the strength of the um, of the game in the in the place and also Anybody like in the U.S. probably doesn't know who Steve Dangle is. He's not like a famous person, but he's developed a certain amount of notoriety in the market. He's become like no, and he and, and kudos to him because he built it from nothing. He just started a YouTube channel where he did Leaf game reviews, and it's funny because now the reason why he's done as well as he has is that there is um, an element of genuineness to it. Like he's basically the case study of what your monologue a couple of minutes ago was. He literally is like, I don't even want to do this again next year. But he's been doing it for 14 years now. Mm. He's in his early 30s. He started when he was in his late teens, as in high school, basically, as a young guy. And he's been doing it for 14 years now. And every and now nowadays the production values are better. He works at Sportsnet, so he's actually got a gig on TV. He's he's parlayed it into a media job and all that. But at the same time, he's like, but I'm miserable, and I have I have to do these post game reviews, and and it's like next season. I'm going to be doing the the Leaf game re- recaps if I have to, if I do them, and the regular season is irrelevant because I they need to do something in the postseason for it to matter. We went sure. through all this trouble to get to a thing where then they lose in a in a matchup they should have won, and now long off season. So uh, and but he's parlayed that like I said into a TV gig. They've got a very popular podcast. Well, that watch along has been watched over five hundred and fifteen thousand times. Wow. And like I said, 60,000 viewers live towards the tail end of that just to watch some to commiserate and some to watch the man suffer, which is testament. It means you've done something right. If people tune in to watch you either celebrate or suffer. Yeah, that's something very impressive. Kudos to Steve Dangle. And he had a, and he has a book which I've listened to. It's not a bad book for what it is. It's decent. He gives a little background on his story, but he is uh, he is the definition of the suffering Leafs fan who needs the psychological help that you're referring to. And Sportsnet took advantage of this. They understood this. They did a segment like they call it like um, uh, Leafs or blue therapy or something where they like literally had Steve Dankel in skits sit on a therapist couch talking with one of his buddies trying to like talk him off the ledge after a bunch of Leaf games. Jeez. They understand, like, they understand their audience. They understand what they're playing to. So he is the physical embodiment of the suffering Leafs fan that is dealing with the CDC. And having to talk about it constantly because basically that's become his bread and butter. He talks about this team and things related to the game of hockey and all that. But he has expanded to other areas. But he's like, 
he, he was joking with his co-host. He's like, can I just not do the LFR? He goes, no, the LFR is the thing you do. And he goes, yeah. we could talk about the other teams in the league. And he goes, no, this is the thing. You, this is your lot in life. This is the thing you do. I'm like, no, why? So on the one hand, it built his career. And on the other hand, now he has to suffer through it. Oh, man. I wanted she, to share that with you guys. I, I, thought, I thought I thought that would help. You know, I you thought, cannot I thought win. I thought I'd give a little additional context. But yes, I was watching the live watch along with 60,000 of my closest friends watching a man's heartbreak. Indeed. I thought you I thought you'd appreciate that. I do appreciate that. Yeah. There you go. So between that and your namesake uh, giving the stats, I, I think I think we've done some solid CanCon. Hashtag CanCon. Yep. Boom. All right, cool. We've we've got the CanCon in. All right, Carlos. Did it. Let's talk about something I care about more. All right. Give me your rundown on Double or Nothing. All right. So I have watched the Double or Nothing. Ordered the pay-per-view. I enjoyed it. It was fun for what it was. It had its uh, ebbs and flows. I don't want to go. I don't want to spend too much time on every match, but I want to give you guys a summary of some of the stuff, and then uh, we'll we'll comment on anything else. So on the, if you don't want to pay for the pay-per-view, you don't want to wait for the DVD, you don't want to go through streaming, you don't want to watch an encore presentation, whatever. I can tell you that one of the best matches, one of the matches that I thought was really well done. Is, was actually on the free pregame show that is available on the All Elite Wrestling YouTube channel. They had an NWA women's title match between Serena Deeb and Riho, which was very solid, really well done. And the crowd was very good at Daly's place for the show. They, the crowd added a lot to the atmosphere, so it was very good. Uh, I think they had about 5,000 people, which is about capacity for Daly's place. Because Daly's place is just an offshoot beside the stadium. It's owned by the Jacksonville Jaguars and the family. You're muted. It's basically a... An amphitheater, right? Yeah, yeah. It's meant to be, I think it's meant to be like a concert venue, adjacent to the stadium, yeah. something like that. But it works. Like, you can configure it for different things. You can do fireworks. You can still do a lot of the stuff that you'd like to do and arrange the stage in a variety of ways. They've been doing the Dynamite show out of it for months in order to deal with the pandemic thing. But you can put about 5,000 people in it, a little over 5,000 people in it if you get a capacity. And they were able to run at a capacity, and the crowd was there, and they were lively, and it was, it added a lot to the atmosphere. I would say it was very smartly done. They did give a little bit of a buffer area, though, around the uh, around the wrestling ring proper, because like the first row is basically um, might be AEW employees in order to keep a safe buffer between them and the audience. So, yeah. So you got some people that may be either related to or are, prof are professional wrestlers so that when somebody gets thrown in there, they're getting thrown onto people that are prepared to catch them. Allegedly. Yes. <laughs> just just saying. It's like, oh, my God, he threw him in the crowd. Yes and no. Sort of. They didn't pay for that ticket. They, they work there. But anyway, that, but that's fine. Like, it still works for the visual, and the rest of the crowd is normal in their sections, like whatever. So it's all good. So Serena Deeb and Riho. Decent little match. Because here, what happens is Serena Deeb is, for those who are less familiar, you can Google her. She has a history. She was working in WWE uh, with CM Punk originally when he was doing the, um, like, kind of a Messiah um, cult leader gimmick. Uh, the Straight Edge Society. And she was part of that. And then she's had her own career in wrestling and done pretty well. But she's a very good technical wrestler and a very good technical wrestler. And she is the NWA Women's Champion. She won that title from Thunder Rosa, who uh, has been doing some good work with AEW as well. But she is still contracted as an NWA talent. She's still doing that. Riho is pretty good in the ring as well. Uh, but she is the one. She was the inaugural AEW Women's Champion. So she's had a good run with the company. 
but and she's very good at what she does but her thing is always being like she's like half the size of like a normal human being she's like a doll size human um so it always helps uh when you can do uh you know the other person being bigger and you can play off that as a story element in any match so in this case serena d decided to work as a heel uh and she was very good at it she she basically was uh, really vicious and they did a, they played a great story. It was a good solid match. It was a good starter to get people going. And this is for the free free match that they're showing on YouTube, just to get just right. to encourage people to order the pay per view. So for a free match, you're getting a title match with uh, two good wrestlers who are doing some fine work. Uh, it was a really solid starter with a crowd that was already warmed up. So so this is like a warm up for the crowd as well. So it's like great, good job, good job, ladies, and some fine work. Mm-hmm. So Serena Deeb ended up retaining the championship. Uh, good story being told. She basically worked the leg, worked the leg, worked the leg with a bunch of great offense, and then basically at the end got frustrated and bashed Riho's knee into the into the apron a bunch of times, and then applied her uh, submission hold that would work the leg so that she could get the victory. Right. So good solid starter. I wanted to take a couple of minutes to talk about it because it was a very good opening match. Gotcha. Okay. And at one point the chant the fans did chant, "This is awesome." So you got that in early on. So all right, all right. The opening official match on the pay-per-view was the machine Brian Cage versus Hangman and Page. An excellent opening pay-per-view match for the actual pay-per-view because you got Brian Cage, who is basically like a bodybuilder guy who can move around like a cruiserweight. So like he's got a very unique skill set because he's jacked, he's gigantic. And then uh, Hangman and Page has done very well. So the whole gimmick there is that um, slowly Brian Cage, I think, is being turned face against uh, Team Taz, who he's involved with. Uh, really good hard-hitting match. Uh, there was an opportunity there at the end for Team Taz to interfere on Brian Cage's behalf. He kind of turned down the help and ended up costing him the match. Just to keep it short and sweet, but a good, solid match. So right now, two matches. The crowd's into it. They're hot. And the matches they're showing are good. And some storyline progression. Two for two, we're solid here. Good stuff, good stuff. All right, next one. AEW tag team match. So like I said, we're starting hot here. Because now, the AEW tag team match, you got the Young Bucks, who are great, uh, facing Eddie Kingston and John Moxley. Well, their music, they're, they're over. So as soon as they play the music, the crowd is chanting along with it because um, Eddie Kingston and John Moxley, John Moxley right now is coming out to, um, he had a theme song that I thought was really good, but now they've been coming out to Wild Thing. If you remember from Major League, that he's oh, coming yeah. out to Wild Thing. Oh, yeah. Well, when the crowd is there, they're singing along with it. So like, again, crowd participation works really well into it. Um, so very good, solid match. Um, they played it exactly the way you would expect it to the young bucks did a lot of shameless cheating uh, a lot of arrogance they did a lot of different um a lot of different taunts um now remember john moxley used to be in wwe as part of the shield well there yeah. was a segment under a different name though yes that's right he was uh dean ambrose that's now correct. now here's the thing during one segment of it where they were beating up on john moxley uh they basically were taunting him and their taunt was to basically do a thing where one of them got basically hoisted him up so they were going to do it, and the other one was going to try to set him up for a power palm, and he basically did the Roman Reigns thing. And right before that, they did the whole shield thing with the fist bump in the middle, and then they, and then they positioned and they were going to do the power bomb like the shield. So I so, like little bits like that where it's a nod to the wrestling fan. If you watch wrestling, it's a nod to fans of wrestling, right? Because yeah. you get it. Yeah, because the, but the thing is, they do the being the elite, so they'll constantly make references. The, the world of wrestling, ex- AEW acknowledges the existence of the outside world of wrestling. So, so they'll do these little, so the Young Bucks being the jerks are going to make taunts that are customized to their yeah. opponents. Well, it works for their character too. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So like yeah. the taunt should be customized to your opponent, specifically centered in on like, so this is your opponent. They were in the shield. 
let's use let's try to use the move of one of the guys that you were running with for a couple of years that you're associated with still people know you from that time so it's like not an accident a lot, a lot of little uh little uh, callbacks like that that uh play well into the match into the flow very so very solid match so again very good so right now three for three real solid matches so the end result was um they use the bte triggers which is basically like a double knee it's like a double team move that ended mm -hmm. the match so I think he can play off uh, like a concussion angle and he can go away for a little while and basically take care of his newborn kid uh, and all that business and deal with that. That, get, that gets him off TV for a little bit, gives him a legitimate reason to be off. And of course, cements, you know, the young bucks is these dastardly heels that are doing these horrible things and blah, 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 and running roughshod and until eventually somebody stops them. Yeah. So storyline made sense. Uh, you got a result that made sense. Like three for three, we're solid. Good, good. Now, Next, we get to the Casino Battle Royale. All right. So you got a bunch of different folks that came in. Um, casino Battle Royales, the way they do them is that they'll break them up. and They'll use the, uh, the casino theme. So they use playing cards. So instead of like going one person at a time, they will go like uh, the, the spades. So these are the wrestlers that are represented by the spades. So they'll come out one after another. Now, what they did uh, add that in previous ones, I don't think they had, is that now the, when they call out a certain grouping, it'll be like five wrestlers. But they each get their own entrance now. Instead of just them all coming in at the same time, they'll actually get their independent entrance themes. So they get yeah. to come one after another when the group comes in. And then I think it's like three minutes, and then the next group gets to come. Three minutes, the next group gets to come. And then in the end, you finish with the Joker, who, who could be anybody. It's somebody who's unannounced. Mm -hmm. It gives you the room for the surprise entrant. Otherwise, it's a battle royale, two feet over the top rope, and you're eliminated. Okay. So straightforward. So a lot of it, so I'll quickly go through the entrance, just list them off quickly. Uh, Christian Cage, who basically went the distance. He was in the first grouping, uh, formerly Christian of WWE. Mm -hmm. uh, Matt Seidel, who used to be in WWE as well. A very good, a very good uh, high-flying wrestler. Powerhouse Hobbs for Team Taz. Matt Hardy, Isaiah Cassidy, uh, Marquez Quinn, uh, Evil Uno, Cole Cabana, uh, Press uh, 10, uh, 10 Vance, um, Jungle Boy, uh, Aaron Solo, Max Caster, Anthony Bowens, Nick Camarado, Lee Johnson, The Natural, Dustin Rhodes, Brian Pillman Jr., Griff Garrison, Penta El Zero Miedo, Serp Serpentico, and the mystery entrant was actually um, Leo Rush, who had previously been in WWE. So pretty good combination of folks. Uh, the story was that, um, uh, like I said, Christian Cage basically was going the distance. Now, Christian Cage, since he's come back, he really hasn't, he's had some decent matches, but he hasn't really been able to build himself up as a babyface very well. His The way he came in was kind of botched. Uh, there may be a long-term story that's playing into this, but the bottom line is the way it ended up being is Matt Hardy was there at the end with Christian Cage and with Jungle Boy, and it looked like it was going to be a thing where Matt Hardy was suggesting that they gang up and team up against Jungle Boy to get rid of him, and then they'd fight each other to right. win. Yeah, um, because they had their history with TLC again. Callbacks to the past, right? Yep. He goes, he goes, no, no, Hardy Boys, Edge and Christian, like we've known each other for a long time, you know. Let's get rid of this guy and then whatever, like basically trying to team up that way, which smart, you know, yeah, don't don't ignore reality in the past. Like for sure, that history is established. So, you know, Christian acted like, OK, and then he basically just tricked him and then threw Matt Hardy out. And he was like, I want to win, <laughs> which made sense. Um, now, it looked like the possibility the crowd was not so hot into the idea of Christian winning. Like I said, he may end up turning heel. I'll get back to that when I talk right. about the Friday so the, the show. Cr the crowd was behind Jungle Boy. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. And I'll give a Luke quick. Luke Perry's kid. Yeah, no, but he's done very well. He's done very. He has worked himself into quite a very good wrestler, and he's done very well for himself. He's tiny though. He is in relative terms. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, 
in great shape, all things considered, and Absolutely. very athletic. Very athletic, I would say. But yeah, he is a little undersized. He definitely does some cool things. Yeah, for he, sure. He is very undersized. Um, but what happened is, uh, so in the end, they had a good back and forth, had a nice little battle, and in the end, uh, he ended up eliminating Christian and winning the Battle Royal to win uh, a number one contendership spot with against uh, Kenny Omega, which is going to come up in a couple of weeks, I think. So uh, that's Could be the, an interesting match. Yeah, so the stake of this is basically you get a title shot. All which right, is, so you, which, get, you get to wrestle Kenny Omega in a little bit. Yeah, which is good. And they've got that match announced. On Friday, they announced the match for a couple of weeks from now. So good. Yeah, so there is stakes, which is all, which is good. On a pay per view or on Dynamite? Uh, I think it's going to be on Dynamite okay. because because they set, they only do four real pay per views a year. All right. And what they've done, which is good, that means that you don't overdo it. You make them more special. You get to build up to the big pay per view. For sure. But as part of their deal with uh, with uh, TNT and TBS, uh, they're going to do uh, probably quarterly specials. So they'll do like a special edition of Dynamite where they'll really stack the card, but it'll be on TV. Right. It'll be like. Um, because they're going to start moving most of their shows to TBS. And then I think the quarterly specials will be on TNT. So they'll make it a special event. We're going to have a special show on TNT, blah, blah, blah. They'll build it up ahead of time. Yeah, for sure. It'll be like, uh, I think, um, Saturday Night's main event from back in the day. Yep. It'll be like a special show that's almost like a pay-per-view, but it's on TV. It's available gotcha. for free. Everybody can watch it, which is smart. That's good. Um, so what happened is it'll be on Dynamite. It'll, it was, I think it'll be a good match. So good stuff. Uh, so in the end, Christian, you know, uh, you know, showed Jungle Boy a lot of respect, you know, to basically said to the crowd, you know, cheer this guy, blah, 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 and then left. And then they started like a little mini, they're starting like a little mini feud with Matt Hardy involved, you know, uh, angry about this whole thing. But like I said, I think it's, I believe that the way the story is being told is that Christian will eventually turn on Jungle Boy, but it'll be a lot of respect in the meantime. And because Christian yeah. works better as a heel anyway, Christian just naturally works better as a heel. He's better at it. Um, so we'll get to that. But all that out of the Battle Royal. So all so far pretty good we're, we're rolling along nicely mm -hmm. some good matches some good some good stuff great wrestlers good stuff okay cool next all right here is where oh and uh one other thing i'll say about the jungle boy thing his theme music i don't remember if they changed it or not but if they did it was for the it was it worked out great for him um because may, maybe tony khan paid for it but it's there's like a song that's like oh, oh, oh yeah baltimore oh. Tar, uh, tarzan boy okay so that's his theme song now yeah which and, it should and, be it crowd but crowd participation for that segment that I just did a couple of bars of yep. is massive. So think of a crowd of 5,000 people who are hot, and they're all doing that after he won the Battle Royal. For sure. It how makes much, him look like a star. On a, on a side note here, on a side note, sure. how many seats do you think AW could fill right now? Oh, right now they could do 12,000, 15,000. Yeah. And they're, they're getting back on the road in a couple of weeks. Yeah, but they're all they're all small venue. They're all under, I believe, ten to under ten thousand. I, th I think you have to start small. I think you got to build yourself back up because you lost a lot of momentum from the pandemic. People are watching on TV, which is good, but you can't you can't run to twenty thousand seat arenas. If you go to, um, so like say, if you had done double or nothing, I think you could have run a regular twenty thousand seat venue, fifteen twenty thousand seat venue. I think you'd have been fine. Um, if you do, if you'd done all out or one of the other ones, basically one of the name ones that are better known mm -hmm. and run it because I think they've got a pay-per-view coming up that's going to be in Chicago. And I think that one will be fine because Chicago is already hot for them. They, they have a great history in Chicago. I think that's all out. I could be mistaken, but okay. I know so that... Are they going to do that at the, at the Bulls Arena? Um, I believe I can answer that if you give me two seconds. Okay. Sorry, if you, I can look that up if you want, and while you tell us about the next well, match. Yeah, double check that. But I, I believe they are running the real venue. I think it's the Sears Center or whatever. I think they're running the real venue, but you can confirm that. 
So this next one, so like I said, the crowd up until this point, super hot. Everything's working. All the matches have been solid. The stories make sense. Even the Battle Royal, people got the result that they liked. They, they appreciated the result. Wonderful. Fantastic so far. All good. The next match is the American Dream, because he borrowed the moniker of his dad. Cody Rhodes with the Enforcer Arn Anderson taking on the Governor, Anthony Agogo with QT Marshall. And this is where the pay-per-view grinds to a screeching, horrific halt. So here's the thing. Cody Rhodes is a very good wrestler. Anthony Agogo has only had like three professional matches and you're throwing him on a pay-per-view. He looks, he looks the part like he, he's an athlete. Um, but there's a lot of weird little things about it. Like he had a, he was an Olympic boxer, um, like a real one. So he's, he's got some legitimacy and he looks the part and he's an athlete and he was an Olympian. Like all this is true. All this is legit. Um, and with some training and some seasoning, I think this could be a very compelling matchup, but not yet. Uh, his move set is very limited. There's not a lot he can do in the ring because he's not used to it. They ran about the best match they could. They got about as good a match out of it as they could. But number one, Cody can wrestle circles around this guy. And in the end, Cody won this match. So it's like, you're the established guy. Why do you need to win this match? Um, and why, if you wanted to win the match, why are you putting this on the pay-per-view? Because it's not a pay-per-view caliber match. It's not worthy of a pay-per-view. And you did it on this convoluted storyline where you acted like you're Mr. America defending America from the evil Brit. And I'm like, QT Marshall is also American. And you're forcing, like, you're forcing this so hard. And there was somebody who did um, an excellent image that was perfect. Cody came out with this, like, American garb, this, with a cape and the whole gimmick. Because Cody, Cody is always extra. Yeah, as the kids would say, he's very extra in everything he does. But here's the thing: his his getup was very similar to the um, the blonde guy from the Boys. Have you seen the Boys? Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Okay, so if you look up the Boys, that's that Amazon show. Um, oh yeah, yeah, it's a yeah superhero okay, sorry. Show. Yes, Super, yes, yes, yes. I yeah. know what you mean now. The blonde guy who is basically the bad guy. <laughs> so it's like, so one of two things. Either you're trolling everybody and you're going to become the bad guy, but you're like ham-fistedly ramming. It's like, basically, he, his, his theme music in this situation may as well have just been like, America, yeah! It's like, it's like uh, what happens? He's the foreign guy. Boo this man. Boo this man. And it's like, really, guys, you have to force it this hard. People don't care. Not nearly as much as you think. But they, brought, they went the whole nine yards. They had the flags. It's like, oh, my God. He may as well have come out like Apollo Creed in, in you know, Rocky Three, Rocky Four. sorry. Rocky Four. Come out to Made in America. Let's go. Do it. Yeah. Like, whatever. Like, who cares? I will tell you, the crowd died in this match. Died. Well, up until this point, like, I, I'm serious. They were literally chaining Jungle Boy's theme song. They were singing the theme song back at him. That's how hot this crowd was. And you murdered them. In this match, so Cody needs to Cody needs to like get a hit, get a clue. It's like, how about you pick your spots a little more carefully, build it up properly if you're going to do it, and give a logical conclusion. Because up until this point, this pay per view is running like a well oiled machine, and you just threw a monkey wrench into it for no reason. Right. So anyway, so that not so great. Next match, TNT title match: the Best Man Miro versus the Murdoch Monster Lance Archer. On paper, this should have been good. This should have been a good way to get the crowd back into it. You, you lost a lot of momentum in the last match that really slowed things down. On paper, these guys, you got these two big hosses. You got, so you got this, you know, potential fight with a lot of these, with these guys that are like very physical, they're hard hitting or whatever. Uh, they just never clicked. 
Right. And they had a convoluted thing with Jake the Snake at the end and whatever. Miro in the end won. That was the correct answer. Um, but Lance Archer is kind of a man without a, a clear direction. Okay. Um, at some point, Lance Archer should probably be TNT champion. I don't see him as a, as a world champion caliber guy, but he could totally be an excellent TNT champion with the correct setup. You got to figure out what you want to do. The guy looks like the guy looks great. He looks the part. He's a, he's a really crazy looking like giant guy who looks scary and who looks like he could beat a lot of people up. It, it makes sense. It works. You can totally push this guy in the right direction. Figure out what you want to do and make it work. And Murderhawk Monster is a great moniker. Like, it works. This all works. Yeah. But for some reason, it did not work here. In the end, Miro won the match, which is the correct answer. Miro is doing great. He, he, he needs to move on to his next opponent. This, this, this one needs to end. The crowd wasn't completely gone for this one, but it, it, it was. they had lost a lot of momentum, and this didn't bring them back. Right. So, moving on from here. Next one. AEW World Ti- Women's World Title Match. The aforementioned Britt Baker taking on champion Hikaru Shida. This is what actually saved this, brought the pay-per-view back. So double bonus points to Britt Baker and Hikaru Shida for saving this. Now, here's the pluses. When Hikaru Shida came out, good response, good reaction. She came out. She had been champion for over a year, 370 days, done a great job. I already explained in the last podcast. Mm -hmm. I think this is not the end of the road for her. I think down the road, this was a coronation. The crowd knew it was a coronation. It was coming. When Britt Baker came out, you would have thought she was the face in this. She came out to people like cheering. She came out the whole thing. She had the fireworks thing. Yeah. She did her pose. She is, she is so unbelievably over. She's like right now, people were ready. The people were like, we, we basically just need to get through this match so we can get to the conclusion. We all want we all want the celebration at the end. So it's like the, the match is almost a formality. Let's just get past. Not their best match. Uh, these two have actually had a very good match in the past. And the Thunder Rosa match that Britt Baker had was also very good. These two, this is probably one of the, this combination was probably one of the matches early on in the pandemic period on Dynamite that got Britt Baker on the map because by accident, because accidentally Hikaru Shida, I think, hit her with like an elbow or something and like busted open and broke her nose. So she ended up like bleeding. So she had like bleeding on her face. But the look on her face, they put it on a shirt. It looked, it looked good because, because they were like, she because she's uh, she's got this you know pretty image and all this stuff, but at the same time it's like well clearly you're she got her nose broken, kept going in the match and finished the match, so like it established a, a toughness that worked with her persona and the the uh, mic work all came together and the character kept growing and building for months after that, so basically that match started her off and got her on the map, and even in the build up to this. She did some interviews where she basically with Jim Ross and stuff. And she goes, "No, I kind of thank Sheeta because it got me going." Yeah. And this is still in character. In character, she's still saying, "I said no, this got me going, and now this is what you have to deal with because of that match," which is a great way of presenting it. Where it's like, so she's basically a heel who can be cowardly at times, but almost like at random, like just for fun, almost almost like tongue in cheek. But at the same time, when you get to the match, you can break her nose and she'll keep going. Yeah. Which is good. That's that you establish a certain toughness, which is it sells it well. And she did the lights out match with Thunder Rosa, where Thunder Rosa won the match, but it was unsanctioned, and she bled out in that match too. And it was a very tough. She took she landed on thumbtacks, so she's been. Uh, and she did that. She did that um, promo where she basically said, "Now she's the hardcore legend," basically making fun of Mick Foley. 
yeah. she came out and she came out with like flannel around her waist when she did it. <laughs> so nice. like little poke poke. Nice. Like I said, the promos have been on point, taking advantage of all these things and making all these things work into the character. So by this point, the crowd is into this. They're excited. They're excited to have her do her thing. And she's ready to go. Looks like a million bucks ready to go. Mattress decent. It was hard hitting at moments. It had its certain things that but it was kind of a little awkward the way we're getting about it. They were struggling to get the match where they wanted it to go. It was okay, but the result worked because they had a bunch of near falls. They got a little too cute with the gimmicks and the different things because at one point, uh, Rebel, the one who's with, uh, with Britt Baker, was, tr- was going to hit Hikaru Shida with her, with her crutch, with the one she goes out the ring with. But Hikaru Shida reversed it Britt Baker went head first into the ropes and Rebel clocked her with the crutch. And everybody's like, wait, does that mean she, does that mean she loses the you know the championship match when we're expecting a coronation, whatever? But then Britt Baker, so remember what I said, like this weird combination. So Britt Baker gets hit in the head with a crutch, which probably should have been the knockout shot. Right. Hikaru Shida then hits her with a follow-up, uh, basically um, drives her head into the ground, pins her, and then gets a two-count. And then they try to reverse cheat and try to beat Sheeta that way by hitting her with the belt or something. I forget the exact sequencing there, but then Sheeta kicks out. So now you've both tried to, you tried to cheat and it went against you and you kicked out. Hikaru Sheeta, you tried to cheat on her, it kicked out. So the interference didn't play into this. Rebel got kicked out, so she's gone. And then it looked like Sheeta was gonna beat her because you hit her with the, with the running knee, you hit her with this other thing, and it looked like that was the end of it. And then Bear Baker was able to reverse it, go, get her into position. Too many sort of false finishes? Uh, the false finishes can work, but literally there was cheating and it didn't end up with a result. The end result was a reversal, get her into position, hit the lockjaw. Now, the good news is, like I said, the crowd was hot. So when she got on the lockjaw, the crowd knew the moment was nigh. It was only seconds away. So the crowd started to freak out and then she'd have tapped out. Music hit, crowd went crazy. There were DMD signs and everything in the crowd. Like I said, this crowd was ready for Pickard to win. So they, they were like, they were jacked up for it. So when the music yeah. hit, everybody was good. Uh, celebration in the ring, short celebration in the ring, holds up the title. And then Tony Schiavone was over in the side, and this played well into the, the, the show with the pay-per-view because Tony Schiavone is one of the people that had helped Britt Baker with this character a lot okay. in the back. So kind of um, did a little third, uh, pulled behind the uh, the fourth wall just a little bit because Tony yeah. Schiavone was there. He had been kind of the friend, but at the same time, Britt Baker treats, her, treats him like shit, but he's also the one who really helped her behind the scenes with the character and everything. So at that moment, they like, they hugged at the end. and uh, So now they're, they're kind of best friends again, but Tony Schiavone is supposed to be a face announcer, but she's a heel, but he, he, he's like one of her big supporters. Yeah. It, it, it creates this weird dichotomy where it's like, look, whatever. <laughs> Roll with it. Roll with it. But it was, it was a good moment because, uh, because it, in the end, they got the result they wanted, and it worked. Yeah, for uh, sure. So very good. I will say that on Friday, um, I'll get after I finish the pay-per-view review, I won't touch on the whole show uh, because most of it's not consequential, but they did have the championship celebration and they might be setting up her next opponent and I have questions, but I'll get okay. to that in a second. Okay, but overall, not, a, not their best match. Good enough to get the job done. Got the correct result. The crowd was hot for the finish. They brought him back <laughs> and this saved them for, so that they could continue the pay-per-view. Cody tried to kill him, but they, they were able to bring this one back. On, in this match, they got the crowd back. So very good. Next match was good, and it's, it's a great thing that they were able to get the crowd back because the next match was a solid one. Uh, it was Darby Allen and Sting taking on Ethan Page in Scorpio Sky. Uh, good little match. Uh, Darby Allen got murdered. 
uh, he got thrown into the crowd like tw- he got thrown like 20 feet into the crowd and like landed on people like i said that's why i said it helps to have plants people that are there it's like we'll save you <laughs> but it looked fantastic because he went flying like 20 feet from the ring to the outside darby allen's a daredevil but like he will break his neck on one of these stupid stunts he's crazy um most impressive piece the crowd was totally into sting sting did like uh did like jumped off some of the poker chips uh into e uh, scorpio sky and ethan page early so all of a sudden people are like sting's gonna do shit holy like, crap dude, 62 no but like he, he hadn't been wrestling in six years he hadn't wrestled a match a real match in six years so people were like the assumption was okay darby allen's gonna do most of the work sting will do a couple of things here and there sting actually did a lot he he did his stinger splashes he did a little bit of he had he had involvement in a bunch of offense he was he was in it how and many the, bumps did he take a fair number all things considered actually very impressive um and what i would say is um the closing sequence involved him uh, reversing um one of the moves from i think scorpio sky and then he hit him with the stinger uh, death drop and then got the three count that way so uh so he so sting got the finish looked pretty good uh i wouldn't have him wrestle every i wouldn't have him wrestle all the time special occasions but he basically showed that he could wrestle in the right scenario maybe a tag team setup or something like that or a multi-man and he can hold his own. He can be there for a hot tag, do what he needs to do. He can still move. For 62, he was moving in the ring pretty good. I was actually very impressed how well he moved. And he took bumps, and he jumped off the poker chips onto the guys, which was – that was before they even rung the bell. So people are like, oh, he's going to do shit. Interesting. Cool. So the crowd was into that. So the crowd was very happy. They basically left the crowd. So, again, the ladies' match brought him back, and then this kept the momentum going. It's like, okay, great. Okay, Cody Rhodes is gone. Awesome. <laughs> now we can get back to cheering. I'm not trying to pick on Cody Rhodes, but he really did kill that crowd with that match. And they, they, these two matches brought them all the way back, which is very good. Next one. So two co-main events. First one, triple threat match. Kenny Omega, Orange Cassidy, uh, the Bastard Pack. Great match. Triple, uh, three-way, three-way match. Uh, fantastic. Good stuff. No countouts, no disqualifications. Uh, because of that, they did have some silliness at the end, but it was no DQ, so at least it made sense. It was fine. Okay. Um, I, I won't go into everything that happened in it because it was a lot, but the point is uh, the crowd was in it. Um, there was fight forever, and this is awesome chance towards the end because these three guys know how to go. All three yeah. guys know how to do it. Uh, it looked like Orange Cassidy was going to win, and there was a sequence there where uh, Kenny Omega hit, I think it was Pac, or maybe it was Kenny Omega, I forget. It was one of them. But he hit them with basically every belt he had. <laughs> Except the, he, he, got, he went through, he hit one of them, and it was the same person. I forget if it was Pac or if it was, um, Kenny, if it was Orange Cassidy. But he hit him with the AAA title. Then he, hit him with the, uh, then he hit him with the Impact title. Then he hit him with the TNA title. Then he was about to hit him with the AEW because he's got so many damn belts. Right. So it's like he was going to hit him with the fourth one, and then I think, or, I think it was Pac because I think then Orange Cassidy came in with, the, with, his, with his punch, with his uh, Superman punch. But in the end, uh, in the end uh, Kenny Omega won retained the title and uh, continued from there. Good match though. Real, real solid match from those three guys. They, they know how to work. So, okay. So after that, uh, Tony and Shivani. So to give everybody a quick breather, Tony Shivani was in the ring to announce that the world's strongest man, Mark Henry will be an analyst on rampage, which is going to be their new show, which I, I I'm a big fan of Mark Henry. So I'm, yeah. I'm good with this one. Yeah. So good stuff. Uh, kept it real simple. Just introduced him. Let him uh, stand out in the crowd for a second. Bow. Although his it. his his appearance on Dynamite, the way it was interrupted, it was. Ugh. Oh, the uh, on Friday. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But here's the thing. Can, can, just sorry. Can we just not have Vicky Guerrero talk ever? But I'm sorry. But here, here, 
here's the thing that was like here is my WWE shtick in AW. It's mm-hmm. like okay, it was there and it did its thing, and then it was annoying. I mean, it's always been annoying, uh-huh. but now it's. I feel it's even more so. Yes, Turbo. The reaction you have is the exact reason why. <laughs> Please exact... stop. Please stop. That's literally the reason why. The anyway. problem is, oh, that's the moment I'm going to go get a snack or go to the bathroom or whatever, and that, I'm going to miss something. Then that, I'm going to miss Andrade. Yeah, yeah. I was like, but the thing is, now she's got a stable with Andrade, and Andrade looked like a million bucks. Like he he came out. He came out. It's funny. It's funny. He came out kind of uh, a little Latin Ric Flairish, if you, if you follow what I'm saying. A little a little limousine riding, jet flying, you know, kid stealing, willing dealing, you know. I'll get a shoe wearing. I, I can't say I can neither confirm. Well, you know he's dating Charlotte, right? Yes. Yeah, uh, and she was very she was very happy with it. She was very supportive of social media of it because she doesn't care. <laughs> That's why. What are they going to do? She shot a flair. Yeah. Um, but no, he he looked fantastic. He looked like a million bucks. And here's the thing. I want to get back to that. Uh, let's come back to Andrade in two seconds. I, I'll finish off what we got here. Yeah, so you, but, let's, you're going to talk Stadium Stampede? Yeah, real quick. I'll keep it simple. Um, most of it was uh, cinematic. They did they did it in multiple days, multiple takes. Pretty solid. Uh, pretty good cinematic match, I would say. Very smart of them to give the guys pairing off their own segments. Different parts of the stadium, different backgrounds, different images. It kept it from being too monotonous. They cut it in such a way where they didn't spend too much time with anybody. So that everybody would have their time and their shine. They even had friggin' Urban. I think it's Urban Meyer. Yeah. Who's the honestly? He, he part of me it. feels like this match was just set up for an Urban Meyer cameo. And it worked. It was good. And it was with Jericho and MJF, which is which is the correct answer. If you're gonna do it with somebody, you do it with Jericho and MJF. Now the other guy, the assistant coach, also like threw footballs uh, Jericho's way so he could hit MJF with them, which is hilarious. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I would recommend if you can find it, go watch the cinematic match. It was funny. But it was it was long, but it was good because they cut it in such a way where they didn't spend too much time with anybody to, to let it get monotonous and boring. They would switch between the different people. And intelligently, they designed it in such a way where the end of the match would actually go back into the live crowd. So they didn't force the crowd to watch the entire thing on screens. Eventually, they incorporated so that because, again, it's shot in the stadium. So they can do it in such a way where when the moment is right, you see them on the screen walking through a walkway or a doorway or whatever, and then all of a sudden, they're live in the arena yeah, doing cool. you know continuation from what you just saw a second ago on the screen. It's like, well, now they're coming into this arena. And it ended in the ring with uh, Sammy Guevara and Sean Spears. So very good finish. Uh, so putting it back physically in the venue was very wise for the conclusion. You want to yeah. have the celebration uh, in there. Uh, so the, the pinnacle did lose to the, uh, the inner circle. Uh, their feud will kind of continue, but I think they're going to branch them off into individual parent groupings, which is fine. I will say the part in the bar with Santana and Ortiz and um, uh, FTR was hilarious because they basically got into a bar fight. And then just and then basically they had a moment where they just sat there at, at, at a table drinking. And then right after that, they immediately started a bar fight and they're like hitting each other with everything. And at one point. It's cinematic, so you can mess around. You've got extras yeah. and people that get beat up and everything. And then all of a sudden, you like stop, and there's like a music break quickly, and you like zoom in, and it's Conan, and Conan is the DJ, because of course he is. Of course, he just happens to be there, and he's a DJ now. So it's like, really, Conan? Okay, <laughs> that's why I say in a cinematic match you can have some fun and do a couple of things. And literally, uh, in one segment, you had Sean Spears in a room surrounded by chairs. Yes, I did see. I did. So I was, I did so see I was like, that. 
Nice. Nice to know, guys. Nice to know. So I, you can have a little fun with it. I was okay with it in the way they shot it. In the way they shot it, I was okay with it. I still don't understand why the Stadium Stampede match happened before Blood and Guts. I still feel like your order was reversed. But whatever. Fine. Sure. Great. Um, good for what it was, though. Good for what it was. Fun match to conclude the pay-per-view one. So that was um, Double or Nothing. Overall, like I said, top to bottom, except for the screeching halt attempt by uh, All-American champion Cody Rhodes, you know, trying to wreck this thing in the middle. Um, everything else, I think, worked for the most part. I was very pleased. Good. Good yeah. stuff. So there's a very, very, there's a very de- relatively detailed review, even though I tried to skim over some stuff. Uh, second thing, though, I'm talking about the, uh, the Andrade thing. Uh, I look forward to it. I'm very curious to see what they're going to do with him. It's just another really good worker that you can have in there. Like, just imagine um, a triple threat with Andrade, Pac, and Kenny Omega. Yeah. That'd be sick. Or a one-on-one match with him and Kenny Omega. Or a one-on-one match with him and Pac. Like, I can build you a bunch of matches that are going to be awesome. So it's just having sure. another guy who's on that caliber who can have matches like that. The, the, the potential's great. And if he's going to do, like, this Lat Ric Flair kind of deal, coming in with his suits and, you know, strutting in and all that, like, hey, why not? It'll be fun. It'll be something different. Yeah. It was just very funny the way they presented him. is like, because the presumably the reason that he was released from the WWE is because Vince didn't trust him. He didn't think he could cut an English promo. So, of course, Vicky Guerrero is going to be the predominant of the mouthpiece to your, to your joy and chagrin, to your joy. But, but the thing is, then she gave him the microphone, short and sweet, very quick statement, got the point across, handed back the microphone. He can speak some English. It's just like it's not his it's not his number it's not his first language, but like he can get a point across if, if his job is just to convey a couple of simple things. But you can honestly you can make it work. Of course. Right? That's 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 a, that's the thing, um, that's one of my issues with WWE right now, but I guess may all but there's there's so many things that you that you know, they give up on certain people way too easily. But that's but that was the whole point of the mouthpiece. The point of having a mouthpiece is if the person can't talk or they're not great at it or whatever, you get somebody who is great at it. And then their job is to And then you make sure you focus really in on what they need to say and you make sure it's well choreographed or practiced ahead of time. There you go. Well, here's the thing. If need be. Brock Lesnar has been your champion a bunch of times since he came back to WWE a couple of years back. And Paul Heyman is predominantly the one who talks. This is true. And Brock Lesnar, by the way, could talk. He did his own promos in UFC. He didn't have a mouthpiece. He can talk if he wants to. But they're like, yeah, I kind of don't feel like it. Just let Paul Heyman do it. Great. Paul Heyman's an excellent talker. Of course, he can do it. <laughs> That's not an issue. It's fine. And who's the who's the guy who's the most over in WWE right now? Roman Reigns? Who does he got with him? Paul Heyman. By the way, Roman Reigns can talk too. I've listened to him do some promos and stuff. He can be menacing. He's fine. He knows yeah. how to talk. But he still got Paul Heyman there to do the bulk of the discussion for him. Let let Roman focus on very specific things. When he says something, it's very menacing, very threatening, gets the point across, for and sure. then Paul Heyman carries the load. And these are guys who can talk. So imagine if you put him with somebody like actually who isn't very good at it, well then help. Bring him some help. Yeah, That's what Selena Vega is supposed to do. Especially if you have really good in ring ability. Of course. Let them do the part they're good at and then help them with the other part. Yeah. Complete the exactly. package. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, it's it's a testament to how WWE has dropped the ball. So anyway, one last thing I'll mention as well. Um, the coronation ceremony with Britt Baker on the show was good, 
I don't like that they're implying that Nyla Rose would be starting a feud. It's like, you know what the problem is with this, right? Britt Baker is a heel. Just to be clear, she is a heel. She literally was making fun of them with cheeseburger coupons. Like, she's yeah. a heel. And Nyla Rose is a heel who is in the Vicky Guerrero stable. No one's going to cheer for Nyla Rose over Britt Baker. And no one's, and you don't want yeah. to turn Britt Baker now. Now is not, no, you, all this momentum is because she's been doing this excellent work as a heel. Yeah. She should be a heel champion for some time. Leave her alone. Find somebody else. Mm-hmm. I can give you a bunch of opponents, not in this order. I would like to see a program with her and Chris Statlander. I think that can work. I think you need to set that up. You don't have to start with it, but give her yeah. somebody give her somebody to, for the next couple of weeks or the next month just to keep her busy and then start setting up, lay the groundwork for Chris Statlander. That's going to be a good feud. You can do that. Well, you can do a... You can bring back Penelope Ford, who's probably going to be a face when she comes back. So you could try, you could have that match if you want. So she can have some opponents, and then eventually rematch Thunder Rosa. She did some great work with Thunder Rosa, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. but don't do it right away. So yeah. like, put no, you got lots of options. Yes, absolutely. Take advantage of this. There's options in between. Let her, let her have some good little mini feuds just to start things. But Nyla Rose is not the answer. No, no, abort. Abort. Yeah. Do you hear me what I'm saying? Abort. For sure. For sure. So, not a fan of that. Anyway, so speaking of dropping the ball, shall we move on to WWE? Yes. So here's my question, Carlos. Go for since, it. Since WWE has now released yet more talent, my question for you is, which of the following is the most likely thing that's going on here? Is it A, that they're cutting costs so that WWE for sale? Is it that they have no idea what they're doing and they're just letting people go. They don't think are, are worth anything anymore. Or is it something else? Mm. What is going on, Carlos, with the continue, continue big name talent that is being, you know, for example, recent people that have been let go by WD Samoa Joe, Braun Strowman, right? Uh, both iconics, right? Peyton Royce and Billy Kay. Billy Kay. Yep. Right. Th- there's some names here, Carlos, and some talented people as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Who maybe and Braun Strowman ended- and Braun Strowman. <laughs> yeah, but Braun Strowman was making a lot of money. He was. He was. Reportedly 1.2 million. So I can give you 1.2 million reasons why Braun Strowman is no. Yeah. Well, that's it. that's fair. I mean, if you're thinking that maybe he's not really as talented as you think, or he's not as over as you'd like him to be, and he's making 1.2 million dollars. That one yeah. make, maybe makes some sense. Yeah, but let, let me let me touch on that. So let, let's take a couple angles of this. Let me present two cases for you. All right. Um, and then we'll kind of let let's work through it a little bit here. So there's so the 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 result of the most recent one. So in addition to Braun Strowman, which like you mentioned, and the Iconics and everything that was in the recent set previously, um, in the most recent set you had Aleister Black, who had literally just gone back on TV after the longest. And was time. kind of building to something as well. Yeah, like he was literally this past week on TV prior to being released. Like you just started doing something with him again after leaving him on the shelf for God knows how long for no reason. He was healthy. He could have wrestled this whole time. Uh, and then you just started something and literally released him for reasons. Because, you know, Vince just wants all the wrestlers. All but, I'm going to get to that. So I'm going to get to that because that's going to play into one of the two scenarios. So let me, all let right. me, let, let's work this, let's work this through. Um, and the other one that, uh, the, that should be included as well is uh, Ruby Riot. Who was really well loved by the women's locker room? She's 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 done a lot of work with a lot of them behind the scenes and in front. She was never really used very much uh, for what she and she was a very good wrestler when she was hired by the company 
in their round of you know catch them all Pokemon style. I just want every wrestler that's out there that has any talent. Can I can I make a comment though? Because I, because I, I feel I need I need to mention this because I find this is very interesting and I, I'm pretty sure there's no connection here or whatever but it, it's a nice angle which I wanted to get out so the most recent video game that WWE of, of their you know 2k whatever is 2k20 mm-hmm. sure. which, which I own which is glitchy as hell all right mm-hmm. however it has a very good story mode where you you create a couple of wrestlers uh, you create a female wrestler and a male wrestler and there's a story that you play through okay all right. So basically from them getting trained to them becoming WWE Hall of Famers at the end. Sure. That's yeah. the story. Okay. Career mode, yeah. Right? Literally every single person that they face off in in that in, is no longer with WWE. Mm-hmm. Right? So one of their first matches are Winterfest in Calgary and they face Peyton Royce. Gone. There's another angle later on where Mickey James is about to get released from the company. So they have this angle that as long as she keeps winning, she can stay on the show. Okay. Now that's dark. I know. Gone. <laughs> right. Also super foreshadowing, okay. but gone. Okay. Uh, the other big, the male feud, the big, the big thing that builds up throughout the game and, and, and you spend a, quite a considerable amount of time on is against Samoa Joe who ends up getting a bionic arm, which is kind of interesting. But anyway, which didn't happen in real life. What is he, but he Jacks from Mortal Kombat? What the hell? <laughs> but he also got released. And 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 the more I played, and then there's other people that aren't, you know, such as uh, Kurt Angle, who's in it, but obviously he's not with him anymore. Yeah, he's been uh, for a while. Paul White is in it as well, and then obviously he's gone to AEW. So it's very interesting that basically every single character, other than the fake characters who aren't real to begin with, is pretty much gone from WWE. Or if they're not gone, like The Rock, I mean The Rock's gone, but or Undertaker, they're not wrestling anymore. So literally everyone is gone and doesn't wrestle for WWE. And the more I'm pl- I was playing it, and the more these things are happening, this is really weird. So are you I saying mean, Braun Strowman is one of the characters that you play against as well? I was gonna say it's like oh, so. What you're saying is we need to keep an eye on 2K 2021, and if somebody 2022 because there is no there is no 2020. Okay, fine. One. Well, whatever the next game is, yes, in the I career so. mode, they, they, it's, if somebody, if one of these wrestlers realizes they're in it, they're like, no, right? Well, yeah, that's what because they've announced. I think four or five people. Like, obviously, there's going to be way more, but they've announced four or five people that are going to be in the next WWE game, like playable people. So Bailey and some other wrestlers. I can't. That's the only name that I can remember. But there's others on that list. So is Bailey the next one who's going to be released? The good news is, the good news is, it's not all lost. The good news is, is if Bailey does get released, I, they would be stupid to do that. She's very good. Uh, if, if, but, but, if she did, good news. Battle of the role models against Dr. Britt Baker DMD. Yes! Because she, because she went by the moniker of the role model, and Britt Baker is the role model. It's like, battle of the role models. That would be good. That would be great. Bro, like, we're done. Done, done, guys. I just booked it for y'all. We're done. I listen. I I got. I just built the greatest women's title reign of all time for you. Done. Took care of it. Fact. Easy. But uh, yeah, no, it could be interesting. I think I think it'd be fun. That, that's a very interesting twist. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't see that one coming. But let me let me quickly build the case that I was talking about. Okay. Okay. So let's pretend you say no. He's never going to sell. Reasons why you would think so. Well, he's Vince McMahon. He's a control freak. 
obviously. And this uh, this is Vince McMahon, right? WWE is Vince McMahon. The man doesn't really do anything else. Yeah, yeah. Like, he has no other talents. And it's questionable if he even has this talent at this point. But regardless, like, he's attached to it. Also, you know, his family's in it. Like, Stephanie and Shane are there and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they can inherit the company. Triple, and Triple H. H. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, so that's a couple of the arguments for and they built this empire and, you know, he can take advantage of it and do all this. That's going to be part of it. And this is what he's built his empire off of. Like, it's all this. So it could be as simple as he's built his empire. He doesn't want it to go anywhere. Now, one of the problems is that he has um, is that he's put into a position of power. A guy named uh, what's the name? It's something con. Yeah. Uh, the guy, the guy from Disney or yeah, he's the, he's the, the uh, Hollywood guy. It's Nick Con. Nick Con. I want yeah. to make sure I got the right one. So he. Nick Khan. Not to be um, confused with Tony Khan, which is yeah. important in this story. Yeah, but he's a, but it's, it's been kind of funny. Um, so the thing is, the problem is we got two cons. It just makes things confusing. Like, we're confused here. But also um, makes it more epic. It does. It's the battle of the cons. But the uh, but the funny thing is... Um, so it's a whole, the whole thing is they're not, they're not actually been released. They're actually still being paid. The whole thing's kayfabe. And it's setting up a battle of the cons. Bro, that'd be the greatest thing of all time. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. We may get the Battle of the Role Models yet. AEW Invasion. No. Uh, anyway. Because so the, so, the WCW Invasion works so well. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. No. And if I was going to book it, I'd book AEW to go over. Sorry. Roman Reigns, you're losing. But done. Agreed. Yeah. Anyway. So here's the deal. Um, Nick, Khan, Nick Khan presumably has a lot of influence. Um, and his job would be predominantly. So, he, so if you want to make the argument that it's not a sale thing. Nick Khan's position would still be to try to make the company as profitable as possible. How do you make it as profitable as possible? You cut unnecessary costs. For a long time, to your point earlier, Vince was doing the Pokemon Gotta Catch Them All. He would literally get people who he had no plans to do anything with ever and got them to long contracts just to keep them away from the competition. Nick Khan, who's walking in, going like, this is stupid. If we're not going to do anything with them, we've got 5 billion people under contract. Let's use the ones we're going to use, and if we don't need them, cut them loose. A basic mm -hmm. cost-cutting measure. So that could be one scenario. It could be like, no, they're not going to sell anything, but like they just looked at it and go, like, hoarding all this talent for no reason is actually really dumb. It's very expensive. We could be even more profitable if we did nothing more than just let these people go and let them, let them get jobs wherever they can get them. Yeah. Let's move on. And then just use the people you got. Um, or cheaper people or whatever. So that could be one scenario. That's scenario one. And then the idea is to make it more profitable so that then when Stephanie and Shane take over, uh, then they've got a more streamlined version of the company. And if they want to sign somebody after, they could potentially sign them maybe for less money, renegotiate the deal, whatever. Uh -huh. So that's scenario one. Scenario two, uh, they are kind of setting it up for sale. And that would be, that could be indicative of, yes, it is Vince's, um, you know, it is Vince's life's work. But he's always wanted to have success in other categories, and maybe Nick Khan can help him build some of these other categories. So he's focusing his attention on that. So he so he'd like to focus his money on that. Maybe he'd like to cash out for as much money as possible. Maybe Shane and Stephanie are were interested, sort of, but at the same time they're like, well, things are about as good as they're going to get. Our TV deals are as good as they're going to get. The numbers are falling. We've sold off the network already to Peacock for for a billion dollars over the next five years. That ain't getting better. Um, the the ratings have been dropping despite everything we've got, even though we've got all this stuff. 
So now we're just, we've got these costs. We may as well drop these costs, sell it to somebody, let them deal with it, let it be their problem. Because even Shane and Stephanie, um, and I'll look it up here if I can find it. Uh, Stephanie, um, what you have to understand is Stephanie is 44, which is not old. Not no, old at all. No. But she's got three kids with Triple H. And the thing is, okay, so if the idea is to keep it in the family, I'm just throwing out a scenario. If the okay. idea is to keep it in the family, um, how long until the kids are old enough, assuming they're interested, assuming they're interested, how long until they're in any position to do anything? So the oldest of the daughters, um, because they got three daughters, um, was born in 2006. So she'd be 20 in five years. So realistically, at 20, you're not going to put her in charge of anything. No. Uh, because that wouldn't even follow with Stephanie's path, where she, where she started off relatively low rung in the ladder and then eventually yeah. moved up to being an executive or whatever. Yeah, but, so, but by the time you know Stephanie theoretically is ready to give it up, then the daughter would be old enough. Theoretically, uh, that's the thing. Like that, that I posed the question. The question I posed is, so by the time, so let's say you say she wants to start really taking an interest in the business um, around the time. So Stephanie became regularly on TV in 1999. Um, at that time, she would have been 23. So let's say you follow a path like that. And at that point, she didn't have any real power inside the company. She was just getting started. So, okay, so you do that. So that's about eight years away, give or take, from even at the baseline, basic level. So realistically, you're probably talking like 10, 12 years. So, okay, so that means Stephanie would be in her late 50s. Uh, Triple H would be in his 60s. Are they still going to run that way? Would they want to? And by the way, WWE may have peaked. They've got all these revenue streams and stuff. Like, that's great, but it's like, Okay, let, by the time maybe the kids are firmly implanted in there, the oldest, realistically, in her early 30s, whatever the case may be, assuming, again, they want to, um, you're talking another 15 years, give or take? What yeah. happens if the company's not in great shape in 15 years because of you're kind of running into the ground? Not from a financial standpoint because you've got all these revenue streams, but a lot of them are contingent upon numbers which are dropping all the time. The ratings aren't getting better. The streaming numbers aren't getting because Peacock is actually kind of crummy. People in the U.S. don't really like it. It's it's a value add, but at the same time, like you're not really getting value. At a certain point, it's like, do you even want to watch this show? Oh, you can watch reruns of the shows. Do you even want to? Mm-hmm. You want to pay for that? Really? What about pay per views? Which one do you want to watch? Which superstar? You haven't built a superstar in years. Who do you want to watch? You're gonna have to just keep bringing back John Cena. Is that your plan? See if The Rock will come back out of pity, like. What are you going to do? 50-year-old Rock versus Roman Reigns. The thing is that that's been pitched. Which should tell you, they, they've even pitched bringing back Goldberg. Ugh. He's been shitty. Like, he's been shitty for years. He was never a good wrestler. It's, it's just because of his name. That's it. Like, the fact that you keep having to go to these quote-unquote legends of the past and keep having to bring back The Undertaker out of rigor mortis, you keep having to drag him back out all the time, like... You are not building anybody. So what is this brand supposed to do going? Your brand is 100% nostalgia at this stage. You're relying on the past. You're relying on, uh, remember Stone Cold Steve Austin? Remember the Attitude Era? It's been a long time, guys. I do remember the Attitude Era. The problem is, when the Attitude Era started, I was in high school. Mm -hmm. It's been a while. Yeah, just a little bit. So, like, you can't be working off that forever. 
that's you're not going to get people's money on that like i'm sorry guys a lot of the stuff you did that was really good ended 20 years ago it's not the end of the world it's like it happens but you got to evolve they evolve from a from a financial standpoint like i said they got all these revenue streams they found a billion ways to do it and it's think of these cuts again from a financial standpoint they all make sense yeah but from a long-term perspective what is the image that you're portraying now people know these people got fired Sometimes some of these people were fans of these people. So they uh-huh. go like, so you fired my favorite who you weren't doing anything with anyway. So I was frustrated about that, but then you fired them and sent them off to go figure out their own life. Now <laughs> they got to go figure out how to make money and, uh, and live. Uh-huh. And you basically tied them up for years. Didn't use them for anything. Let them become devalued from basically neglect. And then they're off to the, yep. and some of them are going to land on their feet. They're going to go to AEW or where impact or wherever they go. And then all of a sudden they're like, they look great. They can still wrestle. They're still good. What the hell happened the last five years? Oh, it was WWE. Right. Well, there's a bunch of people that are sitting there. They're not being done anything with anyway. So yeah. that's going to hurt to a certain degree, your ability to sign certain talents. There are talents who are like, yeah, I'm not going to WWE. They offered me a lot of money, but I know what happens. Word gets around. <laughs> These wrestlers also talk together. They go, yeah, I signed a big contract for five years. I got paid well, but... I was sitting on my ass in catering. I was, you know, world champion at this organization, this organization. I was doing all this stuff. I was the hottest free agent. And then I came in and five years later, I'm no longer the hottest free agent. I'm ice cold. Yeah. My value going forward, I'm going to have to rebuild it mm-hmm. because it's for like sure. I lost all my momentum I had because I've been sitting for five years doing nothing. People thought yep. I was dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so the argument could be made that it is a deep, it is an asset that is very still valuable now but it is a depreciating asset that you could cash out and have yourself set up for generations and then maybe pursue other projects and things. Maybe Shane wants to do something else. He's already tried other projects. Maybe Stephanie wants to try something. They could do that. Now I'll I'll give you one more scenario that still falls under the sale category. So I gave you the no sale and I gave you a whole reason basis Uh for sale. Let me give you one more. Here's a scenario that could play out as well. Vince McMahon is the goat of carnies. True. However, there is a young lion who we've discussed in the past, a man who may have been involved with Fight Island, who has tried in his own ways to take up the mantle of goat of carnies. You know, he's, he's the young buck trying to work his way up the chain to be in that pantheon of carnism. And you know who this is, don't you? Of course. Our friend Dana White. Yep. But here's the cool thing. You know Dana White and the Fertitta brothers sold out the Zufa. Sold out Zufa, right? Yes. You know they sold it. Who's in charge of the UFC? I don't know. Specifically. Dana White. Right. Sorry. Yeah. But they sold it. So why is he still in charge? So they made the money and they're still in charge. What if he did that? Yes. that's, That's fair. That's another way. Like Maybe you're like, okay, well, do you guys want to run it? It's like, well, no. Would you be willing? To... Yeah, I'll, I'll run it. Cut us a check. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I, I maybe it's possible. I could see that. That's like a middle ground. I'm, I'm offering okay, I, an alternative. I don't think that's what's going to happen, and no, I don't I, think that's what's all going down. But it, but it is intriguing possibility. I'm sure. giving you the, I'm giving you the UFC Zufa example. It could, it is another way, because it just depends on whether you have somebody who feels comfortable that they can take over. 
because it could be a thing where you sell out, you get the money, and then it's like nobody's ready to take it over right away, and you just run it for five or six years or whatever. Yeah. Like I said, there's there's a couple of ways you can arrange this. You don't have to sell out everything, but selling out, remember, it's still a publicly traded company. They don't own 100%. They own the, they own the voting majority share, but as soon as they go below 50%, then they're no longer majority owners. Somebody else technically is in control. Yeah, but they can still have stock in the company, so that you can you can play both sides if you want to. Technically relinquishing control, but still being like, well, as long as you'll have me and as long as you'd like me to run it, I'll. Here's the plan. Here's what I plan to do. Are you cool with that? Yeah. Okay. Great. We know they know how to make money. That part's easy, but uh, the show has suffered as a result of a lot of the stuff that they've done. Yes. And like I said, it is something where um, this would be the analogy I use. They've built this beautiful house, this mansion. It's got all the fixes. It's been renovated a bunch of times. It looks gorgeous. It's great. But all this time, the foundation is rotted all the way. You can't see it because you have to go to the basement and look. Oh, by the way, this foundation is completely rotted. Oh, what happens then? Well, it means this building could collapse at any moment. <laughs> it looks beautiful. Like everything here is brand new. This is great. You got a, you got a brand new chandelier. You got all this you know, wonderful stuff state-of-the-art this that and the other thing but actually the foundation is completely rotted out and this building could collapse anytime i'm not going to stand here good luck to you yeah for sure and that's basically WWE in a nutshell like it looks glitzy it looks glamorous they've got all the pieces but it's like you haven't built stars in years like real stars crossover stars there's no stone cold steve austin there's no rock even triple h to a lesser degree there's no undertaker undertaker no. debuted in 1991. none of those people are coming out the you haven't built anybody. Roman Reigns is probably the closest thing you have, but he's not a crossover star that way. He's not moving the needle. He's not changing the business right now. He's doing very well. He's doing a good job. And he's probably the best of what they got, but it's not the same. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, that, that's the reason why I just say it's like... And quite frankly, I'd rather watch a, I'd rather watch Becky Lynch than I'd rather watch Roman Reigns wrestle. Sure, but the, thing is, but the thing is, Becky Lynch is not going to by herself sell it because here's the thing i'll give you one more thought about uh kind of why i would say maybe this would be something maybe they would consider selling and just getting out of it. okay becky lynch has probably done about as good a job making herself as big a star as anybody there okay yeah for sure here's the question what although she's not wrestling right now because she's on maternity leave no no i get it i get it but she's done about as good a job as anybody there here's the thing um what is the state of the women's division not great do you think becky lynch would fix that Probably not. No. I, I mean, I, I also have no faith for anybody to really fix it. But that, my point is, they actually don't care about the women's division. Do you want to do you want to fix something? Go to AEW and wrestle Dr. Britt Baker DMD. No, but the point is, if you think about it, AEW. Dude, I want Bailey versus Britt Baker role model match. I want it, Carlos. I want it. I, I, like I said, it's money, people. It's money. You know what? Do you, can, I, can I mention yeah. this? Go ahead. There was also an angle with Bailey in WWE 2K20. So she hasn't been released yet, but she was in the video game. Look, role model versus role model. I was like, book it. Um, but the thing is, AEW is criticized, and deservedly so, in, at the outset, for their initial buildup of the women's division, because the original women's division was crummy. It was garbage. And here's the funny thing. I will not allow revisionist history to be, to be brought here. Britt Baker was the first female signee that AEW had. Maybe six months to a year into that, she was seen as a bust. It wasn't working. 
what happened? They have a lot of they have a lot of experienced hands there. They all looked at it and go like, okay, it's not working. Do you want to try being heel? She had never been a heel before. You wouldn't know it because she's doing a very good job of it. She had never been a heel at any point in her career. But you know what she's got? She's got Jerry Lynn in the back who helps out with the in-ring. Her in-ring needed some polishing too. But you got Jerry Lynn who's a great who is a great wrestler. He knows how to wrestle. Dean Malenko who knows how who knows about wrestling. Oh by the way, some of her best stuff early on as she started building that heel persona, she started talking about conspiracies. You want to know who was a heel that complained about conspiracies back in the day? Who? Chris Jericho. Mm. You may have heard of the guy. Yep. Le Champion. Mm-hmm. He's kind of employed at that company. She she's done interviews where she's kind yeah. of a big deal. Yeah, but she's done interviews where she's like, yeah, the conspiracy thing. Like Jericho mentioned that, and she goes, and he's like, you could try this, and she's like, do you mind? He goes, no, go for it, give it a go, try it out, work beautifully, the role model thing. Like uh, Chris Jericho has had some suggestions, some input which she has employed. Tony Schiavone, who's been in the wrestling business for 35, 40 years, he's had some, he's helped out with some of the promo stuff. Like think about how many experienced hands I just named off. Yeah. No, I think – and I think to her credit too, she's listening, right? Yes. She's not saying I can do this, right? The key is she's listening to the seasoned veterans. Yep, and they've all contributed and they've all given ideas. And by the way, you know who is the predominant trainer of the women? I do not. The natural Dustin Rhodes, who is a great wrestler. He knows how to – he's still wrestling now. He's 500 years old. He's still wrestling. And he's, he was in the main event of Friday show. But he still knows how to get it done in the ring. Like, he understands how to get it done in the ring. So, yeah. like, he's been wrestling forever. So the thing is that you've got all these experienced hands who can contribute and add all these different elements. And if you're willing to incorporate it, here's the thing. AEW's women's division initially was garbage. It was garbage. And it stayed garbage for a long time. And then they tried using jo- Yoshi matches, which is like this uh, Japanese style with the women where they're like dressed up in goofy costumes and stuff. And they're doing a bunch of weird, like there was a, there was a lady who's done this chick in Japan for years where she like acts like she's Freddie Mercury and does like the, we will rock. And it's like, Oh my God, it's, it's cringe. It's pure cringe. And I'm just sitting there like this. Okay. This might work in Japan, but this is, I, I would like to see you. I know you can wrestle. I know for a fact you can wrestle. Could you do that? Th- that'd be great. And Kenny Omega spent years in Japan, so he's a fan of that style. But and Kenny Omega was in charge of the women's division for a little bit there. And I think he still is, but I think at some point somebody got in his ear and go, Kenny, this is in Japan. Could we just have could we get some talent and just have wrestling matches? And it's like, yes. Good. That'd be awesome. Turn Britt Baker heel. Chris Statlander's come along and improved steadily. You've got now, I named you off. You brought in talent from other companies who initially would come in for a hit here. Serena Deeb was a WWE castaway who was doing training, who was a trainer. Turns out she can still wrestle. The first match I named off when I gave you the all or nothing thing was Serena Deeb and Riho. Riho was the first AEW Women's Champion who can wrestle. She can get it done in the ring. And Serena Deeb, they had a good match. Mm-hmm. Serena Deeb is a technician. She knows exactly what she's doing. She's very good in the ring. Well... You've got her there on the roster when you need her to have a match. She can go out there and have a match, and she's got a title. Great. So while the other division was building up, you had the NWA Women's Championship. So because you have the NWA Women's Championship there, you also get to use Thunder Rosa regularly. You get to book her on a bunch of matches. Thunder Rosa's real good in the ring. Chris Statlander has gotten infinitely better in the ring. Nyla Rose is quite good in the ring now. Okay, I've already named you off about four or five people. 
You got Anna Jay, who's eventually going to come back. And she's been very, and she was improving by leaps and bounds prior to that. And she's gorgeous. Like she, so you've got that. You've got that. Oh, by the way, Tay Conti, who has a WWE castaway, she's been building momentum and she, she looks great. And she actually is quite good. And she actually has gotten quite good at her in ring. By the way, as I name off more people, that roster's starting to get better and better as we're going along here. Mm-hmm. So at this point, the roster is actually pretty serviceable. It's actually quite solid. And that isn't even counting some of the people they haven't had the chance to use yet. They got Diamante, who was with Ivelisse, and then Ivelisse got herself booted because Ivelisse gets herself booted from everywhere. She's got some attitude problems. Um, she has a lot of issues. But Diamante is actually pretty good. Uh, Layla Hirsch, I think it's Layla Hirsch. She's actually pretty solid in ring. So I'm naming off names. Not all of them are known. Not all of them are seen all the time. Some of them are only on dark and things like that. But at some point, that means at some point they'll be like, oh, we need an opponent for, for Britt Baker or somebody. We need somebody who's ready to go. Go get Layla Hirsch. Go get mm-hmm. this one. Go get this yeah. one. Go get, you know, Red Velvet. Go the get Big Slow. Like, I can name off people. The, the point is, I can actually name a roster, and enough of them have actually won matches on TV and stuff where it's like, I'm not just pulling somebody out of left field who nobody's ever heard of. And then you can use them, have a little a feud or whatever, and then, yeah, move on. And by the way, I didn't even mention Hikaru Shida was a former champion. She's around two. She can have a rematch. You can... I just gave you options. I gave you options yeah. and options. The WWE Women's Division is in shambles. Somebody did a list where they did um, for SmackDown after this last set of releases. Do you have any idea how bad the SmackDown women's roster is now? It's bad. Like, it's pathetically bad. It's literally almost nobody. I, 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 I don't remember where the list is. Somebody actually put the list, and it's like single digits. You barely have a division. You don't have a division. And then you've got a champion. Of what? Like, you can't even have a battle royal. You've got so few <laughs> women that you can't. You, you put them all in the match, you'd expose how bad this division is. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like, WWE has a bloated roster, and yet they've completely... Wiped it out. So it's seven. It's seven total. That's how I much na- SmackDown has. I named more than seven women when I came up with the AW thing, and I just did that off the top of my head. And I didn't even pick the secondary talents who are in developmental, who are getting the odd match here and there. I didn't even name them. There's a bunch of them. Taylor Price. There's like there's ones that are regularly in rotation who are there predominantly to be jobbers, but jobbers have a role too. That that allows For you sure. to beef up you the need ro- them. You need you, them. You need them for to build up because otherwise you get 50-50. Because if everybody's 50-50, they all look like crap. No, you have your name talents beat up on some of these jobbers. It builds up the record. It means they win more often than they lose. So then when you're ready to put them in as mm-hmm. contenders, they actually look legit. You can bring them out like, actually, this person's got a winning record and this person's got a winning record. And that way you can have a ranking and make it look like it's a real thing. That's good. That's a good thing. That's how that's yeah. how that's old school wrestling mentality, but it can work. That's why WWF superstars back in the day. Oh, Bret Hart's on this week. Cool. Who's he facing? The Brooklyn Brawler. Why? Because Bret Hart. Because Bret Hart is generally going to win on this show. That's how this works. It's the Brooklyn Brawler or the Repo Man. Pick one. Doesn't matter. It's old school wrestling. It's how it's done yeah. back in the day. Anyway, it's fun. But I, I throw it out to you. I throw it out to you guys. But just so you understand, WWE is this move. We'll see what happens. I could 100% see them selling just because of the reasons I outlined. If they want to keep it, then, you know, then it's straight cost cutting. But again, straight cost cutting when they're making lots of money. So 
And of course, the greatest tragedy of all. Yeah. The greatest tragedy of all. Braun Strowman leaves as the longest reigning world's greatest Royal Rumble champion. He was also the only one. And why you... Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, it's a, it was basically when uh, they did one of the Saudi Arabia shows. They did the greatest Royal Rumble. So when he won, he won a green version of the WWE Championship that was specifically for this thing. So he's the longest reigning greatest Royal Rumble ever champion at over 1,100 days. Good for him. A legacy unparalleled in this sport, Dave. <sighs> Who knows what's going to happen this week and who they're going to release next and where this is going to go, Carlos. But I wanted to finish it on that on that note. You know, it's a, it's a very whimsical note. D -d 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 I thought I thought you'd enjoy that one. So there you go. All right. So that's my general my general th thesis. I, I wanted to present it. I don't know. Uh, like nobody's invisible man heads. He he he's out of his goddamn mind. He's senile. Um, but like I said. I could see multiple scenarios. It depends on whether the kids want to take it over or not. That's really the answer. The answer to the question is whether the kids want to take it over. Yeah. If they do, then sure. sure. Then it's cost-cutting and they'll stay the course. But to their detriment, because the show hasn't been getting better, it's been getting worse. And at this point, NXT is unwatchable, so it's like, we got nothing, man. So good for AEW. They got, they got is probably the best of what they have right now. It's just that bad. That is SmackDown with seven women. It's bad. It's real bad. They just need to merge the division. There's no point in having two. Just merge it then. At just put them point, all into right? one. Put them all under one title. There's no. There's they, no point maybe, you know two. what? Do that and then maybe make something of that. Yeah, they could they, actually maybe do something with that. They've done. They've done nothing with that. They've the, literally the, the women should realize like they're not a priority at all on the show. Like, they don't even care about these championships or who has them. It doesn't make any difference. But yeah, I, I have to end on that negative note because that's what it is. Okay, so anything else with the wrestling side of things? Nope. Okay, shall we do USFL for just a minute? Because I, I need to laugh. Yeah, have your laugh, and then I feel let's let's round out the show that way. That's why I wanted to leave the USFL for the end. Now, guys, when it comes to the USFL, as you well know, we don't. It's not like we have any history here on the Unnecessary Nonsense podcast with uh, with defunct football leagues. I can't think of anything. Uh, That would suggest to anyone that we discuss at any length whatsoever anything related to these miscellaneous leagues. Now, the important thing is, with the USFL coming into play, like honestly, uh, great idea. Sounds fantastic. I can't imagine any other league in 2022 that intends to play. I can't think of one. So, Dave, I don't know. Can you think of any league in 2022 that would be potentially playing any games? Could that be the new version or a.k.a. The Rocks XFL? Also known as XFL 3.0. And Dave, how did you come up with that? What the hell? I didn't it even just, think of it that. It just came to me, Carlos. I didn't even think of that. That's it's amazing. Definitely not, it's definitely not because you have put on an XFL hat and started drinking out of an XFL mug. Definitely not for that reason. Guys, you got to have the swag when the moment is right. When the moment also, is right. This is another reason you need to watch the YouTube channel or you don't get the joke here. You got to have the visual gags when you have them, man. I was waiting. I knew my moment would come. Okay, so let me be serious for a minute. I enjoy, I enjoy wearing the hat, but I don't need to wear a hat indoors. Okay, so here's the deal. Uh, serious, let's be serious for a second. I don't understand why the USFL th is... The, like, I saw the thing, and I was like, what? Why? Who? Huh? So here's the thing. Quick recap, guys. Re quick recap. And I talked about this, and one of the, one of the best-received videos that we have on this channel was when I talked about, obviously, the end of the AAF and also the XFL thing as well. Um, here's the thing. 
I like the AAF. I like the concept of it, but they had, they screwed up their funding. They messed it up and then they got in bed with the wrong businessman and he nice. screwed the league and ended it. That was a shame because they had a lot of things really good that I liked. So I like the AAF. The second iteration of the XFL. I like that too. I actually was able to get some swag for these guys. The AAF didn't last long enough. Because the AAF, uh, they never had the store ready. At least the XFL had the store. But now, okay, so in 2022, supposedly, we're getting uh, XFL 3.0 with The Rock, which, great, good idea. Let's use a twice-failed thing. Well, I guess the good news is the USFL only failed once. Yes, <laughs> this is true. So it's like, we're really going to do this again? Again? Um, I don't understand what the obsession is with consist. I understand the idea of trying to bring a summer football league. And, like, in Canada, imagine if, like, say from July on, we had a football league. Like, for once in the history of Canada, wouldn't it be lovely if we had, like, you know, football in July and August? Like, it's never happened before. But imagine if we had it just one time. That'd be amazing. But uh, uh, Yeah, I'm not even going to comment. But anyway, uh, the thing is that, so you've got, the concept is fine. And I, I'm happy to have football in these months. Sure, let's do it. But it's like. Unless it's a feeder system for the NFL, this ain't going to work. And by the way, you try the USFL, it's going to basically be a watered. The original USFL tried to be an NFL competitor. This one's not going to be an NFL competitor. No. No way. And the XFL isn't trying to be an NFL competitor. They understand where their bread is buttered. They've even had deals with, you know, alleged football league, the CFL. I say alleged because it's not like they play games. Um, But the thing is that. It, it tells you the level they're at where they've even had discussions with the CFL. Like, they understand it's got to be a feeder league. It's got to be an alternative option. It's got to be just a fun diversion for the summer, which, by the way, I'm completely okay with. I love AAA baseball. I like the AHL, stuff like that. There's room for that. For Football sure. could totally have that. Yeah. There could be some fun players. There could be some fun games. If these guys could get paid and make a living, I'm cool with all that. And if some of them are real good, they could get on an NFL roster. I think that's a good system, but the NFL has got to back it. It doesn't matter who it is. So I don't know what the XFL 2022's plan is. I have no idea. I'll be curious. Um, but the USFL came completely out of that field. I'm genuinely confused. I'm perplexed. I don't understand. Yeah, it totally, like there was no buildup at all. All of a sudden, boom, XFL or USFL is coming back. Huh? And the thing is, let me look, let me look at this. There are zero details about this whatsoever in this announcement. And I don't know if they Great. realize. It. I don't know if they realize. They said they're going to start in 2022, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you guys know. I don't mean to alarm you. It's 2021. That means about a year. Where's the plan? Where's the now? Now here's the thing. Here's what I'll give them. Um, it's backed by FS1. Apparently, they have an ownership stake. Yes. So, so theoretically, they've got TV. That's good. That's a good thing. That could help. For sure. But, you know, other leagues have had TV too. Yeah, but and I mean, like TV. But I mean, like, t- but I mean, like puzzle. TV. They don't have to pay for. That was one of the downfalls of the AAF. A lot of their deals were they 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 weren't really getting paid for TV. Right, you got to have a TV deal. If you have a TV deal, where fair enough. Fair enough. You don't just need the airtime. You need you need to you need rights fees. WBE. We t- I, I talked a couple of minutes ago. Here's what WBE is. Okay, just so we're clear. All right. WBE. At this stage, and I promise I'll get back to the USFL thing in a second, but here's what you need to understand about WWE. WWE had the Peacock deal, like I said, a billion dollars over five years. That's $200 million a year, okay? Mm-hmm. So let me go here, TV rights. I want to see if I get this right. Um, 
see if I can find this here. Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah, USA is paying WWE $265 million a year. And Fox, I believe, is paying them like another $200 million. For those keeping score at home, 265 200 I'm being approximate, but stick with me on this. Yeah. 265 200 that's 465 and $200 million a year for Peacock. That's mm-hmm. $600 million a year for doing nothing. For just having the show and airing it. Yeah. Well, imagine if you were able to put people in arenas. That's just extra money. Oh, and what about the Saudi Arabia deal where they make an undisclosed eight-figure sum for these mm-hmm. shows? WWE makes money on nothing. On air at this stage. It, WWE's rights deals are almost as perplexing. I like making fun of it. And in this case, they deserve it. They're almost as perplexing as CFL's CATV rights deal. I wouldn't pay $1.95 for it. But Bell paid $100 million, I think, the last time around, or something like that, or $50 million. I forget what it was. It doesn't matter. It was, it was, it was $500 million too much. I don't care what it is. It, they should charge the CFL for TV time. But the thing is, there's no justification for it. Mm-hmm. WWE's ratings dropping. Yeah, yeah. They're worth less every day that goes by. Um, the reason I tease the CFL thing is because it's like, well, yeah, your ratings are good. But look at your advertiser. Your advertisers are going to tell me what, what value your, your product has. When you're getting Safeway around the country, when Ontario doesn't have Safeway. Yeah, no, no, for sure. That for means sure. You're, get, you're getting regional commercials. Why don't you get the local, the local car dealership then? Because that's how low on the totem pole you are. Oh, but you're getting a million viewers. But no one cares. Mm-hmm. If it mattered, these national brands would be like, oh, yeah, a million viewers? Yeah, let me get some TV ad time on that. Yeah, for sure. How do you think the Super Bowl makes so much damn money? Those commercials are worth a lot of money because there's a lot of eyeballs and they want in. They're like, no, we'll pay you $10 million for like a 30-second spot. Of course. Yeah. It's not the same thing. This one is even more obscene, though. $600 million between these three different deals for a product that's depreciating as we speak. Well, when these deals run out, if these guys re-sign, the, extend these deals, they're idiots. But that could be when the cash cow suddenly comes to a screeching halt faster than a Cody Rhodes match. Screeching halt. Captain America 2.0 ain't going to save you now. Just saying. Yeah. Just thought I'd do one more poke at Cody Rhodes. All right. It's real bad. But anyway, so yeah, USFL. Um, okay, so FS1. Good. If there's some money involved, I guess that'll help. Uh, who are you going to get to play? And by the way, then all of a sudden you got two of these leagues. So the XFL is going to have its thing again, third attempt. The UFSFL is going to have its second attempt. So you're going to compete for players? You're and play the neither of them will be successful. That's my prediction. Yeah, but also, like, uh, does the XFL have a TV deal this time around? I don't know. I They're a year away, really too, by anything. the way. They're a year away. I don't know. Are we getting Vin Diesel? Is he coming by? Like, I don't know. Help me out here. Give it's me possible. something. It's possible. Maybe the Rock will go out as the Scorpion King. Like, I don't know. He's got to do something. I'm not sure. Find something to do. It's possible. It's just like, it, or, I, you know, he'll play. I will just say, like, it was the most random thing I saw. As soon as I saw that USFL story, I was like, that is the most random thing. The, the XFL thing, I was already perplexed by that for next year anyway. But, like, the USFL thing, I'm like, why? Who asked for that? Is Donald Trump trying to get a team again? Because it didn't work last time. It totally didn't I work last time. I wouldn't be surprised. Time. It's a terrible idea. Anyway, whatever. We'll see. But there you go. I just thought I would have some fun. Got to bring in the XFL props, man. Hey, listen. I do what I can. 
I, I tried to make something entertaining out of a really questionable thing, really questionable story. It's the best I can do, people. It's the best I can do. But anyway, I think that's it for us. I think that's good. I think that's yep. good for episode 99. We are now on the road, like back in the day. It used to be the road to WrestleMania. We are on the road to cake. Yes, we are. We are seven days away. Brace yourselves, people. Brace yourselves. Brace yourselves for cake. <sighs> good stuff. Anyway, so that's it. Um, I think that's it for us in episode 99. You can check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. I will put the audio up, but you will not get to see the glorious visage. Dave claims I had some XFL swag on the screen. How will you know if you don't check YouTube? Who knows? You can try to see it through the audio if you stare at your phone real close, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I got nothing. Possible. Yep. But that's it. Uh, So next episode, we'll come back. Eh, Maybe we'll talk a little more wrestling. Maybe we'll see what happens. I'll be honest. I've had more fun doing that (laughs) than a lot of the other Who knows? We'll see we, what happens. We did our CanCon. We made fun of the Maple Leafs. We did what we we did our duty. And who knows? Maybe by the time we come back and reconvene, the Habs will have gone on to the semifinals. You can be the best team in Canada. No, technically that would be yeah. Yeah. Does that mean you win the Canadian Championship? Does that mean you win the Grey Cup? No. Maybe no. they should. They, they're not using it for anything. Give them the Grey right Cup. Now they're not. Give them the yeah, Give them the Grey Cup. Whatever. Let them have it. It'll be great. You win the Great Cup. Woo! First Great Cup awarded since the 1800s. Amazing! Anyway, so that'll be it for us. <laughs> Always. Anyway, so that's it for us. Um, we'll be back with uh, Episode Cake, which will be called Episode Cake. Um, and then we'll figure out what happens with, uh, with some of this stuff. We'll see. AEW, don't let me down. We built up the doctor. We got the doctor where she needed to be. Don't screw this up. No Nyla Rose. Abort. Stop it. Anyway, so that's it for us. We'll catch you in the next episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast.